0: It's a Gladden night tonight! Aren't we Gladden? Oh, that was terrible. Oh, no, I better get off the stage. Um, I better bring on, without further ado, Nardian, get out here so I can leave and take my bad humor with me. So, I'll see you guys a little later for the field trip, but um, have fun in the meantime.
1: All right, okay, everybody, welcome. Welcome to session number 24 uh, of exploring the Lord of the Rings. I'm excited to be back here on Gladden, and uh, tonight we are going to be uh, going back with, uh, in the text anyway, we're going to be going back uh, into, um, um, into the old forest and seeing uh, exactly how the trees respond uh, to Frodo's song, which the more and more I look at it, the more I think that uh, a bunch of what happens afterwards uh, is a, a fairly direct response to uh, to Frodo's song, actually. Um, so uh tonight's uh the the title for tonight's class is Wanderers in the Shadowed Land. Uh again, picking up on Frodo's song. That of course was the first line of his song, which as you will recall, uh was uh his sort of description of them, right? In in his like, let's uh, cheer up and look on the uh and, you know and uh, uh keep our uh uh keep our, our spirits up kind of song uh that he was doing. But um Anyway, so uh, so that's what we're, we're going to see what happens, in fact, to the Wanderers in the Shadowed Land. And, of course, it doesn't exactly play out uh, like Frodo's song. Um, but first, as always, I have a couple of questions uh, that people have said. In fact, there were a bunch of questions, but I only I, I had to uh, only choose a couple uh, here uh, today, so... Uh, so we'll do, Oh, by the way, I wanted to, to mention before we start, before I read the first question, um, we have uh, we have been working behind the scenes. We have several uh, uh, we have several blind students who have been working with us and have been very patient uh, and have been working very hard with us to get an alternative. The normal chat mechanisms that we use, um, like Discord and stuff, just doesn't. It's not really suited. It's not really accessible. Uh, to uh, uh, to the to, for the for the for software designed for the visually impaired so uh, we have uh, we have a separate uh, chat mechanism that we use um, so I just wanted to, to mention that if there are others uh, out there that I mean that we happen to uh, be connected uh, with these uh, with this enthusiastic and connected group uh, of blind folks that have been working with us really really uh, really well and I'm really grateful uh, for their time and effort in helping us iron out our procedures um, but anyway like I said if there are, if there are others who are listening and who would like to um uh, you know, who would like to be able to participate in the chat as well, uh, please send us an email. Uh, you can send us an email at info at signum, uh, at Sign- sorry, info at signum uh And we'll, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get that. And we will uh, um, get you plugged in. So just wanted to make sure that we had that. I would love, by the way, and I think I've, I've mentioned this in the past, but I'll mention it again. Uh, I would love to be able to have uh, our, our discussions here more accessible uh, to the hearing impaired, which is something we've never been able to do. Captioning is really expensive, unfortunately. Um, so if anyone is uh, uh, a sign language interpreter who would like to come in, I'd love to work with you and see if maybe we could have somebody doing uh, uh, a sign language interpretation. That would be really awesome. So we'll see. Um, I just wanted to, again, throw that out there. We've never been able to get there yet, but I would really like to. So, all right. Um, So, uh, uh, so let's, so first question. Okay, first question. Um, this is uh, from Brandon Lovesey. Great question. One of the common themes in The Hobbit is the role luck plays in the quest's success. It is repeatedly pointed out that had things happened any other way, the quest would have failed. For example, had the dwarves not been captured by the elves and then escaped via the barrels, they would have found the old forest road impassable. Uh, though it is not called out I believe we see this theme in the Lord of the Rings as well what comes to mind is the absence of Gandalf here in this part of the story though we have to look ahead to see the effects had frodo received Gandalf's letter or if Gandalf was there at Crick Hollow the hobbits would likely not have gone through the old forest met bombadil received their swords which Mary would later would use later to defeat the witch king or drawn the attention of Strider perhaps Mary and Pippin wouldn't even have come on the journey and and then not joined the fellowship I think this is something we should be Keeping an eye on as we go through the story, though though it will be 2030 before we actually see the the effects of certain events, I'm not sure it's going to take until 2030, Brandon. But um, but I I I hear you, Um, and yes, I agree. I do think that we can see Tolkien thinking in these ways. Two things that I would say: first is just that I agree with you, um, and you cite a really good example. Um, uh, with, uh, with 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 Marion Pippin. In fact, what uh, Brandon, what you were saying about Merry and Pippin not even coming along is really interesting. Um, they of course were determined to come along, but what would have happened if Gandalf had been there? Right, had Gandalf. Made a different choice, right? If instead of heading straight south after Radagast, if instead he had been like, all right, you know, he, he was back in Bree, right? It was only a couple days journey, really, away from the Shire. If he had just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going back to Frodo. Uh, I'll park Frodo in Rivendell, and then I'll go talk to Saruman, right? Had Gandalf done that, right? Had he come and been like, let's go right away, would they have still brought Sam? I bet they would have, right? And in any case, I'm pretty sure that Sam would not have been left. Um, Merry and Pippin, though? It's a great question. I think uh, it's a, there's a, a good argument to be made to said that Marion Pippin might not have made it, right? Um, you know, maybe the, maybe Gandalf would have spirited him away before Mary and Pippin even knew, right? Again, hard to hard to pull that past Sam, but he could possibly have pulled it uh, past um, uh, past Mary and Pippin. Um, and but so again, oh, we, we certainly do see this pattern a lot. And Brandon, I I, I applaud you in particular um, for drawing attention to the fact. That uh, it's it's not just luck in this because we do see some just kind of lucky things uh, in The Hobbit, for instance, like for instance the the lucky fact that the key to the trolls. Uh, cave, uh, you know, the door to the troll's cave fell out of William's pocket before he turned into stone, right? Uh, You know, by good luck, we're told explicitly that that was a lucky stroke, that that happened. But that's a different kind of luck uh, than the kind of luck that you point to, Brandon, but I think that the kind of luck you point to is the more significant one in the story, right? Um, Specifically, the things that look at the time like ill fortune, like particularly bad strokes of ill fortune, uh, throughout The Hobbit turn out to be the things which are a particular blessing, right? Like getting captured by goblins, right? And rerouted, Brandon, as you say, or getting captured and going off, the, making a bad choice and going off the path and getting caught by spiders and everything and ending up on the only safe path, path down the river uh, to the mountain that way. That kind of thing happens a lot in The Hobbit, and I certainly agree that we see that same pattern in The Lord of the Rings, uh, exactly as you say. But here's the other thing, um, is that I don't... I don't think we let me say that a different way. I think we need to be careful about how we um, how we describe that. I don't think it's just a question of okay, it is providence at work. I think um, you know we just just did the class on Boethius in the Mythgard Academy, uh, so of course fate and providence are in my are in my mind. But I guess what I would say is. We can, From a Boethian standpoint, we can see both fate and providence at work here. Um, we can see the providential plan working out. They don't understand how it's working out. The things look like just random bad fortune is happening to them, but it's not random bad fortune. The other thing, though, that I would say is that the choices that they make along the way... Um, take Mary in the sword, right? It's true, Mary would not be in a position to strike at the witch king had he not had his sword from the barrow, right? Which he wouldn't have had if they hadn't chosen to go through the old forest. That's that's certainly true. So you can say, so see, it was providential that it worked out that they got their swords, that they went through the old, it's a good thing they went to the old forest, right? That was clearly the plan of providence in order to get them the sword so that they could have this way to run. But at the same time, you could say, well, if Mary hadn't had his sword, um, it uh, it would have been different but it but it couldn't have been better right uh it would have happened some other way right so so that's not to say that there's the, like and there you know it's it's a rather it's too simplistic to say and thus we can see that their trip into the old forest was was destined right it doesn't quite work like that um but um anyway yeah yeah um Right. No, Matt, I agree. Matt, you're absolutely right. The finding of William's key, I'm not meaning to cite it as a minor instance of luck. It was a crucial thing. You're right. Glamdring an and Orchrist and Sting uh, are, are, you know, it, it is, it are the result, right, of the finding of that key. And that was kind of a big deal. Um, I just mean, it's a different kind of pattern of, of luck. It's it's a, you know, sort of what looks like a mere article of, uh, of chance, essentially, um, rather than that kind of like the... Apparently disastrous misfortune, which turns out to have been providential in the end. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so do you see the distinction that I'm making? That again, it's, I don't think that it, if we look at this as sort of evidence of 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 merely a fate, you know, a sort of a blind fate that you know this shows that they were meant to do what they what they did. That's not an inappropriate way of looking at it, but it's not the full story either. It's also a, a result of their choices. They themselves and their own choices are the agents of fate. They are how f- Providence is working out uh, its plan in time. Um, anyway. Okay. Uh, but, anyway, but So thanks, Brandon, for bringing that up. And uh, I, I agree with... Uh, uh, was it Tony teasing me about that? I agree that... Um, uh yeah it was Tony teasing me about that we should get to that pa- those passages easily by 2020 it won't take until 2030 um <laughs> though did you notice that um did you notice that for some reason uh <laughs> I've shifted okay so have you noticed the progression, right? Um, I've 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 now officially embraced it. By the way, so you, you remember that I we did chapter one in like three weeks, which seemed like a long time at the time, but in retrospect, was this blistering, incredible pace through. And I you know, keep joking about the pace. Um, every week, I like have been skipping less until now, basically, pretty much officially, uh, and I'm comfortable with this. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not skipping anything. <laughs> I've been out for several weeks, basically going paragraph by paragraph through the entire book, skipping not a word uh, so that what we're doing here together has has insensibly shifted from um, from a sort of class discussion, you know, where I like am preparing a lecture on the chapter uh, to more of a, a, a sort of a, a a commentary, you know, as we're going a sort of a commentary track on the story as we go along. Um, but that's fine, actually. Uh, I, I've decided just to totally embrace that, actually. And that's kind of my plan for the whole rest of the time. I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to skip a word. I'm going to go paragraph by paragraph through the entire Lord of the Rings. And the primary reason I was thinking of this is like, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Actually, I've always wanted to go through and, 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 and just, you know, I get, do exactly that. Do a, just sort of, just a gloss of the text rather than, uh, rather than kind of picking and, uh, uh, and, and, and choosing. That's a good thing to do too. That's, that's, that's very, you know, a, a perfectly admirable, uh, way to do it. But I've always wanted to do the sort of gloss commentary thing. And uh, and recently I've been like, when am I gonna get another chance? I mean, what am I gonna go back after this and be like, and now this time, more slowly, right? No. I mean, this is this is this is my chance, right? I'm gonna be doing this for like five years or something. So so let's do this. Um It's uh it's uh it's excellent. So um yeah, yeah, John says, I'm looking forward to the class where we don't get through a full paragraph and settle for a single sentence. Well, John, I think I think Frodo's dream was the smallest amount of text we've covered in a single session at any point so far. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if we beat that record uh, later on down the road. Um, uh, yeah, Tony, like, like an annotated Lord of the Rings. That is exactly, you know, that was my first, imp- when I wrote my Hobbit book, that was my first impulse. Like what, b- what I really wanted, uh, was like to have the text of the Hobbit and then commentary along the side. Um, kind of like Anderson's book, but of course, uh, D- Douglas Anderson's annotated Hobbit, which is awesome by the way, but it's a totally different thing from what I want to do. Um, uh, you know, Doug knows everything about the Hobbit, about the editions of the Hobbit, and uh, different texts of the Hobbit, and, and variations, and, and uh, uh, you know, his collection of awesome pictures and stuff. I mean, the annotated Hobbit is great, but it contains all kinds of things that I don't have, and is totally different from what I wanted to do. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah, this is basically, uh, this is basically going to be that, you know, um, a sort of uh, commentary. So. It's going to be fun. I'm pretty excited. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's go one more question. And this one specifically about uh, Frodo's song. So that was a really good question from, from Roy. I got this one by email. Is this chapter an uncomfortable example of hobbits being orcish? Veron Flieger writes about this in Green Suns and Fairy, uh, that her Book that was released. What was it? 2012, I think. Uh, in the essay "Taking the Part of Trees: Eco Conflict in Middle Earth," in Tolkien's world, morality is often marked by people or by a people or species attitude attitude towards trees. There are examples of of this everywhere. Uh, Treebeard referring to orcs cutting down trees to rot or to feed fires. Orcs work in Ithilien as a sign of evil infecting that land. Saruman's treatment of trees in Isengard is one of the visible signs that he has turned evil. And finally, the scouring of the Shire, the cutting down of trees is again a marker of evil. All this goes back to the Hobbit's bonfire, the building of the hedge, and their overall treatment of the Old Forest is something quite orcish. Flieger makes the point that when the Bucklanders built the hedge, they were stopping an entirely natural phenomenon—trees growing and spreading. There's nothing wrong with the forest expanding. In fact, it's what forests do, until they come across barriers like the Brandywine. You could say that Buckland is an inherent intrusion into the trees. It's only natural that the trees would retaliate against the hedge. When they did, the hobbits cut down and burned many trees in orcish fashion. When you add that, when you add all of that to what you were referring to on Tuesday, Frodo's weirdly orcish song, etc., it paints a really uncomfortable picture of hobbits—a sort of dark side of the Shire, if you will. Um. Okay, that's um. This is, I think, a great point and a great question. I. My answer to the 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 basic question is: This chapter an uncomfortable example of hobbits being orcish. I would say no, not exactly. Um, I mean, I think the hobbits and even the way that the hobbits treat the old forest uh, is different from those. And those are wonderful examples drawn from uh, from Dr. Flieger's article um, of those. those and I, I, mean, I certainly agree with Dr. Flieger that those are queer signs, queer uh, moral uh, indicators. Right. If you cut down trees and leave them to rot, you're just you know destroying life for no reason other than like for the fun of it. That's a really bad sign, right? But that's different from how the hobbits treat the old forest. The way, however, that I sort of agree with this. Again, I wouldn't go so far as to call it orcish, but I often think, um, I often find that people over idealize the Shire. Right. People will talk about hobbits as if like hobbit culture were entirely peaceful, benevolent, and wonderful, right? And it is peaceful, and it is happy, but it's not entirely benevolent and wonderful. Hobbits are petty. Hobbits are venial, right? Uh, I mean, like, they... Think about the stealing of the silver spoons. Right. It's a minor thing. Right. But still, like, it's the kind of thing they do. Um, Look at how they act. You know, the guy who was, uh, you know, uh, 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 Sancho Proudfoot, who was digging for treasure in Bag End before Frodo had to physically wrestle him down and, and, and throw him out. Right. Think of the hobbits who go out. Uh, sneak out by the back way and come in a second time in order to 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 sneak a second present out of Bilbo right I mean, this these these kind of actions um you know a hobbit society is not perfect at all um it's um uh it's 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 very nice but it 's not perfect um and uh the other thing is this whole like um a lot of people love. You remember that sentence about uh, uh, in, hobbits, you know, having a close relationship with the earth, right? Um, and a, a lot of people kind of fixate on that sentence and expand that into this whole sort of eco ideology of the hobbits, right? You know that they are like one with nature, and and uh, uh, you know at, at the absolute opposite extreme uh, of orcs, as you know, as far as their relationship with you know plants and the land and trees and stuff are concerned, but. Not exactly. No, um, that's also. I mean, it's kind of true, but it's an exaggeration. It's not like that. Um, they are farmers, and the fact is, as uh, uh, Tarlania was saying, farmland and forests are natural enemies. That's the way it is. If you're going to be a farmer, you have to clear the land, and you have to keep it clear. Right? It's true that. I mean, my response to the point that uh, um, what the you know it's only natural that the trees would retaliate against the hedge that, you know, that there was nothing wrong in the forest expanding. See, well, there's also nothing wrong with the Hobbit saying, no, no wait. This is our farmland. We're not going to let the trees encroach. Right. We're just, we're just not right. It's not obvious that they like destroyed all of the farmland, uh, down like that, you know, as if the old forest had come down to the river and then they went and clear cut the whole of Buckland, right? And the forest was just trying to reclaim what was its own. There was a strip of open land there. Um, we're, we're told that when we got the story of when the Brandy Bucks moved back over there. They moved over to the strip of land between the river and the old forest. So it was queer land uh, when they moved over there. So all they're doing is preventing the forest from expanding onto the, the land where they've already built their, their homes and their farms. That's perfectly natural, too. It does put them at odds with the trees, right? You know, but again, you know, living an agrarian uh, uh, lifestyle puts you at odds with a lot of things, Right. Um, you know, a farmer is going to be at odds with the forest, and he's going to be at odds with the wolves and other predators, right? Um, he's going to be at odds with some plants, like weeds, for instance, right? He's going to be at odds with uh, with other with with like rats and other vermin who would come and eat his. So you know, there's a there's there's a there's a kind of you know cold hard reality there uh, that Hobbit society doesn't. Have any qualms about it all? Um, the reaction, you know, when the uh, when the forest attacks the hedge and they, you know, clear out and burn a bunch of trees along the edge of the wood and then go and burn—that's aggressive, right? But the—I mean—but the forest was being aggressive too. I'm not trying to say that I think you know, that I am wholly in support of that. I think that Tolkien wants us to be wholly in support of what the Hobbits did. I think we're supposed to be on uncom- I think that Frodo is uncomfortable. I think the Hobbits are uncomfortable and they're realizing that they're sort of that they are in an uncomfortable position in relationship to the forest. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that this shows the Hobbits being act, being orcish, being evil, that this is an evil action. Um, was it excessive? the burning of the bonfire maybe but the what the forest did was unusual for a forest as well um i mean it so um yeah yeah i'd uh, um it's funny. Several you're making funny comments here. Yes, Oakwig, I agree. The Shire is familiar. It's not a utopia. That's exa- That's a great way of saying it, Oakwig. Um, again, when I hear a lot of people talking about the Shire, I hear them speaking of the Shire as if it were a utopia. It's not. It's not utopia. It's 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 really it's very nice. I think you know there are many of us who would quite enjoy living there, but it's not utopia. Um, and uh, yes, I agree. Uh. uh Tormarthan species competition is part of nature. Yes, it is. And the the, the hobbits and these trees are in competition um, as part of the naturally uh, uh, just by being neighbors and having contrary interests uh, in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Good. Good. Uh, Oakwig, by the way, uh, you're mentioning my comment about Sancho P- Proudfoot. you know the really cool thing about that scene um there's there's a thing in the book that makes that moment where uh, uh Sancho and Frodo have their tussle that makes it even cooler um, Look at the genealogies in the back uh, and uh, it's it becomes pretty cool. Look where Sancho Proudfoot is in the genealogies. And it puts his wrestling match with Frodo into a a different kind of light. Uh, It's pretty cool. Anyway, okay. um, Let's see. Uh, Amathorn asks, who started the aggression, the hobbits or the forest? See, Amathorn, as far as I can see, the trees did. I mean, the, the hobbits built the hedge, right? But hedge isn't an aggressive move. Again, the forest, there was a boundary to the forest. All they're doing is marking the boundary of the forest, saying, this is where we live, right? And they clearly are worried about things coming out of the forest, right? As well as the forest uh, impinging. And, you know, a hedge is not a bad way to to keep the forest from just spreading indefinitely, right? So um, I can't see the building of the hedge as an act of aggression on the part of the hobbits, Um It's the trees who attack the hedge, right? Um, Were they provoked, you know, to, you know, there's probably two sides of this story, right? We don't know everything that went, uh, uh, that went, uh, that went up to that. Remember, we learned about this from, um, uh, from Mary and he doesn't even believe the old story completely as we were seeing last time. Um, I just saw quick, I didn't see who it was, but I saw quickly uh, uh, on Twitter. Are there ants in the forest? We don't know. Um, we have reason to think that there are Ents in the region, right? The reason we have to think about that is the, uh, the, 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 the tree man, the giant that, uh, has been rumored to be seen in the North Farthing, right? That there's, there's, that Ents are not unknown in the area. But then again, Treebeard, when Treebeard speaks of the old forest, it doesn't sound like he's too familiar with it, right? So he hasn't been up there, but doesn't mean that any other Ents haven't been up there. Um, was there an Ent who was, um, uh, 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 yes, I see art ardent crayon. That is a pretty awesome Twitter handle. Um, it used to be connected to Fangorn. Well, yes. Treebeard says that the old forest and Fangorn used to be two different parts of this one primeval forest that spread all the way across, uh, the, the continent. So in that sense, but it doesn't mean that it was like a part of, uh, a part of, of Fangorn exactly. Um, like, it was once in Treebeard's domain and it now isn't. I don't think that's the right way to... Treebeard wasn't talking about his domain, right? He was just talking about how back in the old days, like, this whole place used to be forest. Um, and what, uh, broke that up, right? Why is Fangor not connected to, uh, to, to the, uh, old forest anymore? Nah, the Numenorians, uh, other people who have come and cut down the trees, right? Um... Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, John uh John Cassell says that uh, uh the trees started it according to the hobbits shocking that the history writers are the good guys. Exactly. See, I get there's uh, doubtless there's two sides to the whole hedge attacking story and we don't know the trees side of the story. I want to be perfectly fair about that. Um but uh yeah, so who knows? Um exactly as jj says it is only fair to say that the trees tell a different uh, 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 tell a different account uh yeah exactly exactly um, yeah yeah okay let's see um, and 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 right uh uh tom Wailoff... um says that, uh, even Treebeard points out that there are trees with hearts that are black and are jealous of things that go on two legs. That is, trees that can just have an animosity towards, uh, those that wander around, which is not entirely rational and not entirely justified. I mean, there's, 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 there's not no justification to it, right? But that doesn't mean that trees are always in the right either. Even Treebeard does recognize that, um... Yeah, oh, uh so Arden Crane when I talked about it being in his domain, I merely meant um it wasn't a part of Fangorn in the sense of like Fangorn had the land that he uh that he ruled, right? Um and the old forest used to be part of his kingdom, right? And he's not a king, but you know, part of his realm and now it isn't. Um uh so I just wanted to make sure that it used to be a part of Fangorn we weren't thinking of it in that in that sense. Um yeah now that's an interesting parallel Brandon is Mary like our friend Jonathan Harker from Dracula skeptical of these rustic traditions until he sees evidence to the contrary uh there's a theres there, there's a similarity the queer the queer difference uh <laughs> Brandy, check out that sentence I was about to say. I was just about to utter the sentence: the clear difference between Mary Brandybuck and Jonathan Harker, as if there's one singular difference between them. But in this regard, the big difference between Mary and Jonathan Harker uh, is that um, uh, Jonathan Harker is just skeptical, right? Uh, he is skeptical of 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 any. He he's he's a he's basically a naturalist, right? Uh, you know, he doesn't believe in anything. Um, that uh you know that can't be explained uh by 19th century science um uh, Mary is clearly not there right Mary believes in magic and 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 in stuff like that but he clearly is skeptical about the stories of the old forest um he doesn't believe, he 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 heaps scorn upon the the sort of stories that Fatty's nurses used to tell him right about wolves and goblins and that kind of thing There's nothing None of that kind of nonsense that goes on in the old forest, right? But there's this thing about the trees. And he's less... He does not heap scorn upon it like he does the this, this story that Fatty's nurses used to tell him. But he is also... He clearly reserves judgment. He doesn't seem to believe that the trees actually move. Uh, and Which, again, I think we can see. he's was like, these trees do shift, right? Uh, as if he's now finally convinced. So there's some similarity there, Brandon. But clearly the framework is not the same. So it's... Uh, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not exactly the same situation. Um, <laughs> good point. Uh, Gil Gonthier points out that he says that he would like to hear the tree side uh, of that story, but the problem is it would be about 27,000 pages long. Exactly. And then just imagine how long it would take us to get through uh, discussing the tree side uh, in this class. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, okay, good good and Miltalio, exactly i think um yeah, well, Carita asks a great follow up question. What's the difference between the story that nurses tell Fatty and the stories that Bilbo tells? Right. Well, Carita, the the first obvious difference, right, is the is the source. Right. Bilbo is, uh, uh, you know, has ex- has experienced these things and is 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 a trustworthy source. Right. Whereas the nurses are just, you know, repeating bogey stories. That is stories designed to frighten children. Right. So it's there's probably you know there's. There's less reason to think that that's true than, you know, Bilbo, because Bilbo knows lots of stuff, right? Not only has he traveled and he's seen all these strange things himself, but he's talked to the elves and knows elfish lore and all this stuff. So he's clearly a trustworthy source. But, um, you know, as we will hear later, you know, uh, in about four years, uh, we, um, uh, we I, you know, you should not just uh, disregard stories that come down from old wives, right? Um, Old wives often keep things in memory that other, that it would be good for others, uh, you know, that it once would have been good for others to remember. Uh, So that's definitely, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Oakwig. Sancho is Odo's grandson. Yeah, he's uh, Bilbo's first cousin, twice removed, just like Frodo. In fact, if you look at the genealogies, Sancho Proudfoot has from a genealogical standpoint, as good a claim to be Bilbo's heir as Frodo does. At least as good a claim, actually. Uh, So uh, when he kicks Sancho Proudfoot, he's not just kicking out a local unruly teenager. Uh, He's having a physical tussle with the guy who could arguably contest the will. I mean, Bilbo's will is legit, right? He's chosen Frodo as his heir. But, you know, could have been Sancho, right, Uh, if uh, things had gone differently, so that actually, it, it's really, it's really interesting. Okay. Um, good, good. All right. Um, <laughs> Tom wants to know if Mary is Jonathan Harker. Uh, who is Quincy? Um, Sam, right? Sam has got to be Quincy, clearly. Clearly. Yeah, definitely. Uh yeah, yeah, now that would be an interesting parallel. That that would be a great myth mood paper, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Uh, anyway, okay. Um, Amethorn wants to know do we hear any more about the old forest uh, by the end of the story, particularly after the hobbits return to the Shire? Nope, nope, we don't. We don't, <laughs> no, Karina. There's not a Mina, there just isn't. Uh, that's that's just this just not gonna happen. Uh, no. Nope. And no, uh, so Amethorn, sorry, back to your question. We don't hear more uh, about the Old Forest. Our trip here into the Old Forest is going to be our, our 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 only real encounter with the Old Forest. We'll encounter, we'll learn more about trees, and of course when we get to, to Fangorn, uh, we'll learn a lot more to help us kind of contextualize some of the stuff that we hear. But, um, it's, uh, it's not something that we're going to come back to uh, here in this story. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay, let's see, that's good. Um, Okay, Uh, let's see. Let's see, uh, the guy whose uh, name translates to The Lord of the Rings is asking me if we've ever discussed the title of the books, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, No, we didn't. But I should get on to talking about the story. Uh, I would encourage you, go to the discussion boards uh, at uh, lotro.mythgard.org and post that. And I'll see if we can do that at the beginning of next time, because I think that that would be interesting. But, um, anyway, okay. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's get to the text here. So, Frodo just sang his song... And just felt the oppression. Remember his voice falters and he, um, he, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we got that, what seems to be a counter spell by the trees, right? Not to mention the, the falling branch, right? And Mary kind of trying to not exactly pass it off, but, um, but, um, trying to, uh, um, Lighten things up. Mary is is always trying to keep people's spirits up, right? He's uh, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good leadership leadership job in that respect. Anyway, even if perhaps he's not doing the best possible leadership job in uh, other respects, but um, anyway, okay. He spoke cheerfully. This is Mary, of course. As if he uh, as and if he felt any great anxiety, he did not show it. The others did not answer. They were depressed. A heavy weight was settling steadily on Frodo's heart, and he regretted now with every step forward that he had ever thought of challenging the menace of the trees. He was indeed just about to stop and propose going back, if that was still possible, when things took a new turn. The path stopped climbing, and became for a while nearly level. The dark trees drew aside, and ahead they could see the path going almost straight forward. Before them, but some distance off, there stood a green hilltop, Treeless, rising like a bald head out of the encircling wood. The path seemed to be making directly for it. Okay. Milthalio, I agree. Mary is very strong. Here, um, he is. A, he is a. He is a strong leader. He was the one who was taking the lead, right? He was the one who had decided they would go into the old forest who encourage them to go into the old forest. Who said he would lead them through the old forest? And he's not only attempting to guide them, uh, but uh, but he is uh, he is leading them in a, in 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 sort of a, a, a larger sense as well, right? He is he is acting as a leader uh, to everybody, and I think he's doing he's doing great. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Julia says that uh, Frodo's not showing brilliant bravery and leadership here. Yeah, no, not so much, right? And it's interesting that Frodo himself is, uh, you know, Frodo really cedes the leadership role to Mary here. Uh, and that's actually going to be an interesting thing to see. Let's, let's continue to watch the dynamics among the hobbits, right? Um, especially with Mary and Frodo. Um, because that's really the question, right? Pippin is not taking a leadership role at any point, right? Sam is certainly not going to put himself forward into a leadership position, uh, with Merry and Frodo. How is that exactly going to, going to work out so far? It's all Merry, right? Um, again, not just in the sort of mechanics of guiding them. Um, uh, good. Um, yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah, Tom is pointing ahead to things that Mary's going to do that we'll talk about in probably three or four months. I mean, all the way in Bree. Tom, I mean, seriously, what is it going to be? October, before we get to Bree? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, several of you, Matt and... Um, uh, Lady Shmebulok, are both suggesting that Frodo isn't really suited for leadership, doesn't really want leadership. Um, and that's that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> Tom says, we just need to make sure we get to Weathertop by October 6th, right? Well, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. 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 Um, and yes, Blue Wizard, I agree. I, I strongly dislike how Mary and Pippin were treated in the films, especially the 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 that the accidental encounter with them, as you point out, rather than the uh um rather than the the intention, you know, the the conviction to go with him from the beginning. It's a it's, it's an important element of their of their characters and I like them better with it. Uh uh Ethelod s- yes, says that uh uh, well, who who do you think is being more like Hazel? Um, Mary is acting kind of like Hazel here, right? In the way that he tries to keep their spirits up. Um, Mary's comments are, are, are rather Hazel-like, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to our passage here. I think that you guys are now just trying to divert me <laughs> and seeing how long you can make me take. Um, but uh, anyway... What do we make of this path here? Remember, we've already gotten stuff about the paths before, right? Something makes paths. Um, And, uh, uh, and, interesting, Carita suggesting a parallel between Frodo and Fiverr. See, Carita, that's a myth mood paper right there. (laughs) That would be an interesting comparison. Um, But anyhow, anyway, okay. Paths, right? Something makes paths, b- and the the trees do shift around, right? And we were talking about that last time. It seems to me fairly clear that the paths that they're seeing are paths that are made by the trees, not by something always walking in amongst the trees, right? Um. So yeah, uh, uh, Katriana, I agree. Katriana says, I think by this point, I'd not trust any clear path uh, through that forest that was presented, and this one is pretty suspicious, right? So, give look at how this one is described. Remember, where does this path? Where did this path start? Where did this path start? What dots <laughs> is the forest connecting? Right? It started with the with the bonfire glade, right? Start at the bonfire glade and led out of the bonfire glade. So they're following the path that leads out of the bonfire glade, right? And look at what we get about the path, right? Um, uh, so we have uh, the the path they, they were on was uh, uh, had been climbing, right? It stops climbing, right? And uh, they can see the path going almost straight forward. I mean, look at this beautiful path going almost straight in f- front of them across this flat land, right? And then down the path they can see this hill right and the path seems to be making directly for it well isn't that nice right isn't that convenient um yeah yeah and stephanie yeah and it's a treeless hill right yes yes um what do we make of that um It's noticeable, right? Why is this tree? Why is this hill treeless, right? Exactly, as uh, uh, Crooked Heart asks, is it treeless because the trees choose not to go there? Um, yeah, I see. I don't know. Um, uh, Ethelod, could you see it from Buckland? Well, Mary didn't mention it. He mentioned the bonfire Glade, right? Um, but he you don't get the sense that he's been this far into the old forest himself before he's been in there before a couple times um and once after dark probably on a dare when he was a teenager or something but anyway he's been in there before and so because he's been in there before he believes or feels that he can make can guide them through but it's not like he's actually been through there before right um Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and... um, Yeah, uh, Matt, that's a great observation. Matt says that... uh, Notice how uh, in Tolkien's uh, grammar here, uh, he gives the paths lots of action verbs, right? The paths were always doing things. Um, The path stopped climbing, right? Uh, The path was making directly for it. It's not like it was right down the path, as if the path were merely inanimate, right? Uh, It gives all these action verbs to the paths. Um, The path seemed to be making directly for it, as if the path has a will of its own, which is metaphorical, right? The path doesn't have a will of its own. The trees that make the path have a will of their own, presumably, right? Um, So... So yeah, I think it's pretty clear that the I mean this especially this path, which is whatever the reason we don't know why there are no trees on the hill, right? Were there trees on the hill and the the trees have vacated the hill for the sake of this trip of the hobbits? I have no idea, right? Um, but that they are doing this on purpose. I think we have enough evidence, uh, at least to be very suspicious of, um, that the hobbits are in fact being guided. And they're still being kind of gullible, really. Um, the hobbits are. Um, Mary still seems to want to believe that he's kind of in control here. Um, yeah, yeah. Um Frodo is regretting with every step forward that he had ever thought of challenging the menace of the trees. It's interesting, we're just talking about Frodo showing not great leadership while Merry is is showing good leadership. There is another side of that coin, though, isn't there? You could also say Frodo is the one who's actually kind of... Merry is, is, on the one hand, he's doing a good job of being confident and trying to keep everybody's spirits up. On the other hand he's kind of walking them straight into danger, right? Um, For him to be going along and saying, hey, oh, I know the way, look at this, I can guide you. Look, here's a great path for us to follow. That's not him being a good guide. That's him being a dupe, right? That's him being a sucker. And Frodo's reaction, the heavy weight settling on his heart, his regret of the, you know, his, his, his acknowledgement, okay, these trees are menacing, right? we we probably can't beat these trees it's probably a bad idea f- to, for us to go up again this from the guy who was just singing a song of challenge to the trees and that experience which of course was has just ended right that experience that he has just had has seemed to lead him to what is actually a perfectly valid conclusion <laughs> right um that he um that he should not perhaps that they really they're not gonna win this battle, right? Whereas Mary is kind of blithely, uh, you know, sort of carrying on through. Um Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. Do rangers go through the old forest? Ethelod asks Go through? Hmm. Yeah, exactly, Carita. Saying the wrong thing confidently is still saying the wrong thing. Exactly. Do rangers go through the old forest? Do they wander around in here randomly? Well, we don't know. Um, Aragorn has clear... When we meet Aragorn, we'll see that he has clearly met... You know, he knows Tom Bombadil. uh, So he um, must have been there at some point in the past. Um, But that doesn't mean that rangers, you know, often hang out here. Exactly, Tom is just pointing out the same thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Irinda says, It does seem like a huge question that they're not giving much consideration. Something makes paths, and paths are always made with intention. So far, the only intentions they've encountered in the old forest are bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Um, So, Frodo's reaction much more gloomy than Mary's right much less um, much less good for morale but much more accurate much more wise frankly um, blithely to follow this path really seems like a bad idea and I agree with you Tony I would love to read the meeting between Aragorn and Tom Bombadil that would be fun um, but all right hey I've got an idea let's um, um well okay creator they could be deer runs i mean it's possible two things here first if mary says something makes paths if it were deer right making the paths um then uh, uh he might have suggested that right i mean if they if they looked like deer paths then he might have he, he probably wouldn't have found that mysterious right he wouldn't have said something makes paths he just would have been like and there are deer paths right? Um, so probably that's not, the paths are more significant than that. Um, and Karina, I don't see any reason to think that there are not deer in the old forest. We don't know. I mean, as you say, they're not mentioned. I don't recall any reference to anything like that, but I don't see any reason to think that there aren't any deer in the old forest. Um, but I think that the paths we're talking about are something more significant than that, or else it wouldn't even really necessarily be a question. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Hey, I know. Let's move on to the second passage. (laughs) And now they hurried forward again, delighted with the thought of climbing for a while above the the roof of the forest. The path dipped, and then again began to climb upwards, leading them at last to the foot of the steep hillside. There it left the trees and faded into the turf. The path... Notice, again, Matt, just as Matt was pointing out, notice how the path is continuing to have all these action verbs, right? It dips and begins to climb, and then it left the trees, the path leaves the trees, um, and uh, faded into the turf. The wood stood all round the hill like thick hair that ended sharply in a circle round a shaven crown. The hobbits led their ponies up, winding round and round till they reached the top. There they stood and gazed about them, The air was gleaming and sunlit, but hazy, and they could not see to any great distance. Near at hand the mist was now almost gone, though here and there it lay in hollows of the wood, and to the south of them, out of a deep fold cutting right across the forest, the fog still rose like steam or wisps of white smoke. Okay. Um. Yeah. Tony, I agree with you, by the way. Um. Tony says that what must be mysterious about the paths is that, is that they look like paths made by people where no people are supposed to be living. Uh, Tony, I agree that that must be what Mary is implying uh, when he says something make paths. Again, if if it were explicable by some obvious animal path, he, it would. not But yeah, that that does seem to be that does seem to be it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Tom's suggesting there are white hearts in the forest. What could be more likely? Um, Yeah. Anyway, okay. But the path ends, right? Uh, And it brings them to the hill. What do we notice here? What do you see? First... I agree, Carita, um, yeah, the steam and the fog looks very very ghostly, very mysterious and especially where is the mist? where is the fog concentrated the fog is concentrated uh, where is it uh, in in hollows of the wood and to the south of them out of a deep fold cutting right across the forest What is the deep? Fold cutting right across the forest. Of course, it's the valley of the Withy Window, as Mary is about to explain to them, right? Uh, So from the the Withy Window... And this is lovely, right? This is a a wonderful sort of Tolkienian description, right? Because on the one hand, uh, this is a Tolkienian description. uh, 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 This is an accurate description, right? Down in the lowlands, the fog would remain longest. And not only that, but of course where it's most humid down by the water, right, is where the, the mist and the fog is going to remain. So this is perfectly true, like perfectly accurate from a naturalistic standpoint. And yet, of course, it also, uh, is really evocative on the symbolic or mythic level as well. Uh, that the, 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 the confounding mist and fog, remember the, the sort of the mist that overlay everything when they were leaving in the morning, right before dawn going across Buckland to the gate. um, uh, and now, almost all of that mist is gone, but it still lingers at some deep parts of the forest, and especially all over, down in the, in the Withywindow Valley. And yes, James, they can't see any great distance, right? So they're brought to a lookout. And I say brought to, because they were brought. The path brought them. Right. We see the path doing all these active things. The path has brought them to this hill and from this hill they can look out and see, but they can't actually see all that far. Right. Which is interesting. Um, Brandon asks, do the trees want them to stop here? Well, that's my question. That's the question I found myself asking when I came here. Since, as we talked about, the making of these paths seems to be the plan of the forest. The forest seems to be bringing them here, straight here, and straight here from the Bonfire Glade, right? Direct path from the Bonfire Glade to the Bald Hill. Why? Why is it bringing them here? Why is it bringing them here? And then that's when I couldn't help but remember Frodo's song, right? What did Frodo sing about? O wanderers in the shadowed land, despair not, for though dark they stand, all woods that be must end at last, and see the open sun go past. Right? Those, that's the the first four lines of Frodo song. Right? And what is, what is the response? What is the response of the trees? Right? Uh, to the wanderers in the shadowed land? You to take them to a place. Where they can see all around them. And what do they see? No ending. Right? They don't see any end to the forest. They see trees. You are surrounded, Tom. Exactly. That's the message that they get from the top of the bald hill. We'll let you look around. Right? You want to see the open sun go past? Here you go. From this hill, you can see the open sun go past. And when you do, what does it show you? What do you see? All woods that be must end at last? Uh-uh. That's not what you see. <laughs> right. See the end of the forest? Oh, I don't think you do. I mean, it's really interesting how it corresponds. <laughs> <laughs> JJ says, we cannot get out. And Julia adds, they are coming. Yeah, exactly. Lady Sh- Lady Shmebuak says, trees one, hobbits zero. Uh, exactly, exactly. That's right, Tom. We got your open sun right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it, honestly, the, the trees seem to be taunting them. Uh, that's like the, the the reading that I feel myself compelled to as I'm looking at this and thinking about why why has ha, why has has this path led them made a beeline from the bonfire glade straight to this hill? Um, and I think I think the trees are taunting them. The trees go ever on and on. Exactly, J.J., that's it. That's it. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, they don't see ending. They don't see failing. Let's keep going. That, said Mary, pointing with his hand, is the line of the Withy Windle. It comes down out of the Downs and flows southwest through the midst of the forest to join the brandywine below Hayes End. We don't want to go that way. The Withywindle Valley is said to be the queerest part of the whole wood, the center from which all the queerness comes, as it were. The others looked in the direction that Mary pointed out, but they could see little but mists over the damp and deep-cut valley, and beyond it the southern half of the forest faded from view. The sun on the hilltop was now getting hot. It must have been about eleven o'clock, but the autumn haze still prevented them from seeing much in other directions. They're in the northern part of the forest the forest extends furthest out to the south of them, right? They're trying to get to the northern edge of the forest because their whole idea was just to cut through the forest as a way of getting uh, back to the road, right? But getting back to the road by a way that was not going to be watched because they figured the a- exit from Buckland up to the road was going to be watched. So it's not like the idea of theirs was to cut straight across the forest. Perish the thought, because if they go straight across the forest, they'll end up in the Barrow Downs, which is the last place they want to be. So they they were just trying to clip the edge, Right, and take a cut through and come out the northern edge. So they're in the northern part of the forest. What's the direction they can see furthest from the hill? To the south, where there are most trees. Right, and they extend. But in the other directions, for some reason, they just can't see that far. Right, the autumn haze still prevented them from seeing much in the other directions. Kind of a, uh, kind of a, kind of amazing. Right. Um. Yeah, it is hot, Corita. Uh, and with uh, what seems to be sort of a steam, it's interesting, right? It's eleven o'clock, um, and yet the 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 mist, the that morning mist, is still lingering down in the Withy Windle. That's a little odd, right? Um, that's uh, that's kind of late. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Lincoln is wondering what kind of queerness extends from the valley. Well, we'll see, won't we? Uh, But that's a great question. Uh, What does the word queer mean uh, in Hobbit dialect when they call something queer, strange clearly is a synonym, right? But I don't know that the, it's an exact different, yeah? Um, uh, Finn, I agree, different is certainly... Um, and different and therefore probably, uh, you know, possibly possibly dangerous, right? Weird. Strange and uncanny. Uncanny is a little strong, but... Um, that is, un- uncanny clearly means something outside the natural order, right? Magic is uncanny. Ghosts are uncanny. Black riders are uncanny. Um, but, uh, yeah, something foreign, outlandish. Yes, yes. Um, uh, odd. I agree. I agree. Um, so when he says it's the center from which all the queerness uh, comes, everything that makes this forest weird strange, bizarre, uncanny, has its center at the Withywindle. Right? And so the unusual liveliness and animation of the trees, that seems to have its origins down in the Withywindle Valley. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Alright. Where was I in the passage, though? I don't think I ever finished reading it. I interrupted myself. All right. Prevented them from seeing much in other directions. In the west, they could not make out uh, either the line of the hedge or the valley of the brandywine beyond it. That might be... The, uh, sorry. Northward, where they looked most hopefully, they could see something that might be the line of the great east road for which they were making. They were on an island in a sea of trees and the horizon was veiled. And that seems to me to be, in a nutshell, what the trees seem to be trying to accomplish in bringing them to this hill, to give them exactly that impression. You are on an island... It's like bringing them to this island is like marooning them, right? (laughs) On a desert island. An island in a sea of trees, and the horizon is veiled. Um... Yeah, yeah. Um... Oh, interesting. Julia says the word queer is related to the old high German word meaning to twist, which is exactly what the trees by the withy window are. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay, let's keep going. So here they are on their desert island in the middle of the sea of trees. On the southeastern side, the ground fell very steeply, as if the slopes of the hill were continued far down under the trees, like island shores that really are the sides of a mountain rising out of deep waters. They sat on the green edge and looked out over the woods below them while they ate their midday meal. So they're eating their meal on the beach, as it were, right? As the sun rose and passed noon, they glimpsed far off in the east the gray-green lines of the downs that lay beyond the old forest on that side. That cheered them greatly, for it was good to see a sight of anything beyond the woods' borders. Though they did not mean to go that way, if they could help it. The Barrow Downs had as sinister a reputation in Hobbit legend as the forest itself. Uh, so this is great. In the end, they can see one place past the end of the of the forest, right? The Barrow Downs. The one direction that they don't want to go. Uh, almost as if, what, the, the trees... Um, the trees are sort of showing them the only alternative, right? Like, this is preferable to that, don't you think? Um, and, yeah, and James, I agree. The fact that they're cheered by the sight of the Barrow Towns uh, shows, well, it shows also their ignorance, right? They don't want to go that way. Um, but uh, thinking thinking back to Frodo's recent line of thinking, right? Maybe we should have taken these stories a little bit more seriously. Maybe we should have listened to Fatty Bulger, in fact, Right? And now they're like, well, okay, there are all these stories about the Barrow Downs, but they're still cheerful looking at them, right? Maybe, maybe that's not. Uh, yeah, Brandon, exactly. Maybe they should be thinking more about the reasons that the Barrow Downs have that reputation. Um, Do I think the trees are in league with the whites? Uh, Ethelod asks. Uh, well, no, not in league in that sense. You know, I don't think they've made a pact between them. Um, you know, we'll send you. Fools to come your way that you can consume or whatever, um, but uh, uh, again, I think that I, th- I think it's taunting them, right? Korean um, is <laughs> joking that you know, the tree is pointing at dead guys and pointing back at them, right? Trying to send them a message, right? You're gonna, you're gonna, what? You're gonna swim? With, it's not. You're gonna swim with the fishes, right? You're gonna, you're gonna live with the whites, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, okay. Notice that image at the beginning. I love that image, right? We got that image of them being in the, on, on an island in, in a sea of trees. I love this view of, as they prepare to go down, and there's another path on the other side of the island, right? As they prepare to go down and join their path again, um, they. it's like this view of the hill is like an island, right, uh, island shores that really are the sides of a mountain rising out of deep waters. Notice the effect of that image, right? When we look at an island, normally we only think about the bit that's above the water, right? We see this as, this is a, a small piece of land, right? We don't normally, but that's, a, that's a, an oxygen-breathing land creature's biased viewpoint, right? Very limited viewpoint on that particular earth formation, Right? Uh, If you adopt a totally new perspective, the underwater perspective, you will look at an island and you'll be looking at the same thing, but it will look totally different to you. Right? It will look like a huge, tall mountain whose top uh, uh, extends out past the top of the sky. Right? And you can't see the top, but the top is obviously less important than the entire huge mountain that extends all the way down underneath. Right? Uh, Notice how we have that same kind of shift of perspective being brought into play here with the old forest, right? Um, they, in considering the forest and considering the trees and the world of the trees, they're not used to it Just as we look at an Island and don't think about the part that's under the water. So you go into a forest and you don't think about the forest from the point of view of the trees. Um, trees are background in a forest, right? Um, I mean you don't think about the individual trees any more than you walk across a plain and think about the individual blades of grass that make or the individual blades of grass in your lawn, right? Um, you don't think about like mowing your lawn from the point of view of of a of one of the blades of grass, right? And when you go into a forest, remember Pippin's question. Is it only the trees that are dangerous, right? Like okay, right, but but is there anything dangerous in there, right? That's the question. You know, a about the forest. Even Mary's question, something makes paths, right? Mary is uncertain, like there might be something in there that's scary. There, there's, But the, but the, it's just, the forest itself is just the thing that a dangerous thing might be in, or might not, right? But when you flip it around, right? When you go under the surface of the water, uh, things look very, very different, and I love that, that parallel here. Um, exactly, JJ. They are literally missing... Uh, the trees for the forest. Yes, exactly. Um, and yes, uh, uh, Tungle and Tarlonio, you are right. We do hear that, that, that idea of the sea of trees. Uh, Tarlonio is thinking about the connection back to Frodo's dream, uh, as well. And, and the way that he mistakes the wind over the, uh, well, he mistakes the sound of the waves, the sound of the sea for the sound of, uh, of, of the wind over the, um, over the trees. So yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's that's interesting. Um, yes, Tony, I agree. I, I I too started thinking about the lives of individual trees uh, in the forest during walks after reading Tolkien. Tolkien has definitely changed my own view. On I know I've told this story before, but I had to cut down a tree uh, that was in my yard and close to the house, and was really it'd been foolishly planted. Uh, when they planted it, they clearly we're not thinking about the size this tree was going to grow to and it was way too close to the house and uh, uh, really endangering things and making my wife nervous so we had to cut it down uh, and boy I i was I was like we can't do it right I'm thinking a leaf by niggle and everything it was awful um, yeah yeah um, yeah good um, all right so let's uh, follow the path on down, because that seems like a good idea. At length, they made up their minds to go on again. The path that had brought them to the hill reappeared on the northward side. See, Matt it's still doing it. Still doing those action verbs, right? But they had not followed it far before they became aware that it was bending steadily to the right. Soon it began to descend rapidly, and they guessed that it must actually be heading towards the Withywindle Valley. Not at all the direction they wished to take. After some discussion they decided to leave this misleading path and strike northward. Oh you fi- they, they finally uh, they finally got to the idea that maybe following this path blindly is not is not gonna take them straight to their destination. For although they had not been able to see it from the hilltop, the road must lie that way. And it could not be many miles off. Also northward, and to the left of the path, the land seemed to be drier and more open, climbing up to slopes where the trees were thinner, and pines and firs replaced the oaks and ashes and other strange and nameless trees of the denser wood. I loved the fact that in the dense central wood of the forest. There are strange and nameless The hobbits don't even recognize these trees, and they don't have names for these trees, right? Um, But, you know, much more natural, common kinds of trees, like pines and firs, right? So, in other words, the forest is getting easier and more open, right? They can see it. To the left of the path, the lands seem to be drier and more open. Oh, it's, it's easier to go this way. So, they're, they're heading n- north and curving around to the east. Uh, I know I'm mirror-reversed in some of my cameras here. Uh, so they're going up and they're curving around to the east, but so they're going to turn left and leave the path to keep going north, right? Up towards the road. That's their goal. That's what they want. Um, and um, uh, no, Karita, there's no evidence that hobbits have compasses, so they wouldn't have any way to f- they just They're trying to keep their sense of direction, and head up north. But, of course, that's the point where the trees are thinner, right? You can see better, right? It's, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be easy, right? Um, now, by the way, remember, remember um, the parallels with Mirkwood that we were talking about? Um. Last time, we talked about Mirkwood a little bit. Um, the, I wonder to what extent this is influencing Mary and the other hobbits, right? Remember, what's the moral of the Mirkwood story? You know, when Bilbo tells the Mirkwood story, what's the moral of the Mirkwood story? Don't leave the path, right? That's the moral of the Mirkwood story, exactly. Ethelod, you got it. Don't leave the path, right? And as soon as they do, right, and they get all lost when Bilbo wakes up and, and, and kills the spider, and he's like, oh, why, oh, why did we, you know, we should have listened to Bjorn and Gandalf's advice and not left the path. Um, I got. By the way, I, I, think I, I think I mentioned to you guys that I'm uh, finally reading The Hobbit with my younger son, Matthias, and uh, we're in. We just finished chapter eight last night, so we're uh, we we just got the, the the don't leave the path. Just I'm just so I just reread that last night. Um. Anyway, yeah. So um. So I, I wonder if that influences them this uh, proclivity that they have of being like, hey, look, here's a path. Let's just go straight down the path here. Ethelot, he's nine. Uh, we're reading it together. He's nine. Um, yeah, I, I was waiting until he asked me. And uh, uh he finally did, so we're we're doing that um, anyway, so yes yeah, so as I say, I wonder if that if that influences them at all. Um, I'm not suggesting that the forest would know that they would know that story and is playing on their gullibility for that reason uh but it does make me wonder if it if it feeds into the lack of suspiciousness that um the uh the hobbits seem to demonstrate here um yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> JJ says we're not saying that, but we're not ruling it out either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that the trees need necessarily have to have that kind of planning or that kind of lore, right? Um, ah, Tom points out that they stepped onto the path and it has swept them away, right? See, look, Bilbo warned you that that can happen, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That is actually really funny, though, Tom. I hadn't been. I wasn't thinking about that connection. Um, of course, he was talking about the road, right? But talking about the, you know, how there's only one road and every path is its tributary. Um, it is. It is kind of funny, right? They, you know, here's Frodo and Bilbo both singing songs about, uh, you know, being being swept away by the road, you know, by the path. And now it's literally happening, right? As the path is sweeping them away, uh, almost against their will. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, Irindis, if you're used to forests that have people traffic going through them, you're more apt to think of paths as leading to somewhere useful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Though, again, Irindis, there's no reason to think that even if this were a people path, that it would be leading up to the road, which is where they want to go. Um, but anyway, they're going to leave it, right? And it's fine, though, because there's the, the part of the forest that they can see, it looks nice, nice and open, right? Good visibility, uh, less scary kinds of trees, right? So that's, um, that's all good. That's all good. Uh, I think that'll turn out really well. So even their leaving the path looks hopeful. Uh, it's almost like the path is leading them down to, to the withy window. The alternative is also made to look really good, right? So, Hey, yeah, no, that's great. At first, their choice seemed to be good. They got along at a fair speed, though whenever they got a glimpse of the sun in an, in an open glade, they seemed unaccountably to have veered eastwards. But after a time, the trees began to close in again, just where they had appeared from a distance to be thinner and less tangled. Man, how does that happen? Right? I mean, you see it from a distance, and it looks like it's getting more and more open, and but then you actually get there, and in fact, it's uh, the trees began to close in again notice the phrasing there right so now Matt it's not the path there's no path anymore doing active things now it's just that's just transferred directly to the to the trees right now the trees are closing in um, we're getting it's sort of getting more and more transparent then right then deep folds in the ground were discovered unexpectedly like the ruts of great giant wheels or wide moats and sunken roads long disused and choked with brambles. These y- lay usually right across their line of march, and could only be crossed by scrambling down and out again, which was troublesome and difficult with their ponies. Each time they climbed down they found the hollow filled with thick bushes and matted undergrowth, which somehow would not yield to the left, but only gave way when you turn- when they turned to the right— and they had to go some distance along the bottom before they could find a way up the, the further bank. Each time they clambered out, the trees seemed deeper and darker, and always to the left and upwards it was most difficult to find a way, and they were forced to the right and downwards. Again, I think it's very clear. Uh, again, if, if we like Mary retained any questions about whether or not the trees are moving, whether the trees are actually forcing them in a particular direction, whether the trees are, are, are shifting around, even in fact, but how, how was that managed with the tree, with the things looking open from a distance? And then was that an illusion? Like it looked open, but then it, it really wasn't. I'm not convinced of that. I think it might've been really open. When they were seeing it from a distance, remember the trees were showing it to them from a distance, right? That's why they brought them to the hill. Oh, hey, look how nice and easy it looks up to the north. You should probably go that way. Yeah, that'll work out well, right? And then the trees close in, literally move, right, and uh, and move to 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 prevent this. Um, yeah, they they surround the hobbits. They are definitely herding them around. That's, I think, exactly what we see here. Um, Notice, and uh, Matt, this is a, um, I'm I'm still following that uh, that trend that you were pointing out before, the active verbs to describe the path and the trees, but look, uh, and by contrast, these ruts, right, the deep folds in the ground. Um don't have those kind of active verbs, right? Notice then deep folds in the ground were discovered unexpectedly passive voice, right? Cause it's the hobbits who are discovering them. The deep folds in the earth aren't doing anything, right? They're just sitting there and it's the hobbits that are discovering them. So he uses the passive voice, right? And, uh, and similarly, again, uh, they could only be crossed by scrambling down again, passive voice again. Um, Uh, each time they climbed down, they found the hollow filled with thick bushes. It's filled with bushes, but it's not doing anything. No active verb ascribed uh, to the hollow here, right? Um, Whereas the thick brushes and undergrowth would not yield to the left, but only gave way when they turned to the right. So again, we can see those active verbs. The vegetation is being given the active verbs. Um, The uh, uh, the 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 land here those those folds in the earth are not being given active verbs like the trees like the foliage like the paths were given active verbs um, they were forced to the right and downwards um, yeah yeah good um, yeah I uh, uh Arthur, I'll call you Arthur. Um, uh, saying Ambrosius are really honest every time is uh, is long. Um, I agree with you. Arthur says, I like how it's described in a way that still sounds doubtful or mysterious, i.e. the hobbits never see a tree trunk move ten feet right in front of them. Uh, they, they get through the old forest with only a vague idea of what the trees were like, leaving Merry and Pippin to still be plenty surprised later on when they meet the Ents. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really neat uh, and really uh, an important element. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I keep coming back to Matt's wonderful observation is we get this sort of hint right um by tolkien's syntax right the active verbs that he uses to describe the path and the trees suggests that um they were that they're moving that they're acting that they're doing things, but yet we never see them doing it right You can't absolutely prove it, and of course it is um easy to get lost in a in a deep wood like this I mean Tiber I agree with you in the in the observation that you make there of course absolutely it could it doesn't necessarily prove that it's a conspiracy of trees against the hobbits right um, yeah yeah um, John there is a sound that horns make when they move Um... But remember that the trees are playing the long game here. They don't seem to move right near the hobbits. Um, If the forest up to the north actually closes in and changes from when they saw it before, which again seems to me perfectly plausible, um, it needn't have happened when they were close enough to hear it, right? Um, All it had to do was do that when they... Descended down from the hill, right? It had lots of chance uh, to uh, to make those to make those changes, um, and uh, and I think it's it's definitely they're still following a path, right? It's not as nice and clear a path as before, but it has the forest has made a path for them, which it has enforced, and I think pre-enforced. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, Tom and Lincoln, exactly. The trees are, of course the trees are going to be playing the long game, right? That's obviously, obviously how they're going to, how how they're going to play this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. After an hour or two, they had lost all clear sense of direction, though they knew well enough that they had long ceased to go northward at all. They were being headed off, and were simply following a course chosen for them, eastwards and downward, eastwards and southwards, into the heart of the forest, and not out of it. The afternoon was wearing away when they scrambled and stumbled into a fold that was wider and deeper than any they had yet met. It was so steep and overhung that it proved impossible to climb out of it again, either forwards or backwards, without leaving their ponies and their baggage behind. All they could do was to follow the fold, downwards. The ground grew soft and in places boggy. Springs appeared in the banks, and soon they found themselves following a brook that trickled and babbled through a weedy bed. Then the ground began to fall rapidly, and the brook, growing strong and noisy, flowed and leaped swiftly downhill. Ah, see, the brook is doing things too, but of course it would, right? Um, it at least is a moving thing, if, uh, uh, if, uh, if not a living thing. They were in a deep, dimlit gully, overarched by trees high above them. Okay. Um, now, uh, one last thing about these uh, folds in the ground here. Um, uh, and going back to here for a second, we're told that they, uh, the, the deep folds in the ground um, were discovered unexpectedly like the ruts of great giant wheels or wide moats and sunken roads long disused and choked with brambles. And uh, Ardent Crayon was asking uh, on Twitter is, um, does this actually suggest that these were roads? That there were roads through the Old Forest maybe made by the Dunedain from before? You know, the, the, the people of the, the Barrow Downs, like, which would mean the, the Dunedain of Cardolan. Um, so were there actually roads here? We don't know. We never exactly learn. It seems possible that there were actual roads through here before. We couldn't rule that out. Um, But we don't really know for sure. Um, There's no... There's no positive evidence given that it was an actual road. They don't see evidence that it was clearly artificial. We're just given... We're just told that's what it looked like. But is it possible that it was an actual road? It's conceivable. Um, It's conceivable. And uh, in any case, these folds are being used by the trees, by the forest. Right? Um, this is why the path has been laid in this direction, so that they would eventually, once the hobbits got channeled into one of these ruts that they can't get out of, which is, of course, exactly what happens next, uh, here on the passage that we just read, um, then they, uh, uh, then they can't, they can't get out and they end up being brought straight down to the withy window, right? Right which is just where they're supposed to go, apparently. Um, but Arden cran I agree that, 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 you know, is there a possibility that this is a hint of some old story, some old kingdom that we don't know of? Yes, there are lots of hints like that, of untold stories and, uh, uh, you know, undescribed vistas, both physical and historical, right, that we don't ever see to the end of. So, yes, quite possible. Quite possible. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, good. Um, The water coming in uh, is interesting to me. Of course, again, this is another... um, This is another one of those... It's like the mist in the valley, right? Another one of those perfectly accurate descriptions of nature. Um, the way that, the the way that he describes them, the ground growing soft and kind of boggy, and then springs appearing in a little trickle, and then soon, as they follow it all the way down, it becomes a brook, right, that trickles and babbles and begins to flow and leap swiftly downhill, right? That, you would see exactly that kind of thing, right? Um, but it also works on the sort of mythic and symbolic um uh level right remember and here i'm thinking back again to that parallel we were already making um tom with the uh, with the song right with the the with bilbo's old teachings about the paths and the roads right every path was the tributary of the road uh every doorstep was its spring that's the metaphor that bilbo uses About the paths, right? Um, They're following another one of these paths as well. The way that they 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 are as they're going down towards the Withy Windle, they cross this. They end up following this stream, this little tributary stream, down to the Withy Windle, right? But you can see they are being drawn down to the Withy Windle, just like all of the, you know. So just you know, you get all this network of you know, soft marshy land and small little streams all coming down and feeding the Withywindle. So they too are being inexorably drawn down to the Withywindle. Uh, and that whole process, that whole tributary, uh, small tiny growth of, of a trickle which becomes a larger uh, stream and then down to the inexorable Withywindle. Again, you see, it, it kind of works symbolically for what's going on here uh, and how they are being drawn in down this, uh, down this path. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I think I'm going to stop there. Um, because this next passage here is when they get down uh, to the Withy Window, which is not a bad place to stop. I was hoping to get as far as uh, Old Man Willow's attack on them, Uh, but we didn't get quite there, but that's fine. We actually ended up doing all right. Um, We got down to the Withywindle, so we'll start at the Withywindle next time. Now, a brief reminder that next time is not next week. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be away, uh, and my internet will be in no way reliable enough, uh, I know from experience, for me to be able to broadcast next week. Uh, So there will be no class next week, but we will have class two weeks from tonight, um, where we will return to the Withywindle Valley and uh, and head back and we'll be on uh, yes we'll be on Landreval next time in a fortnight yeah. that's right uh, so very good and now it's field trip time so thanks for joining me and I'm gonna stop the Twitter stream as I always do because I always feel like I'm taunting people uh, in uh, the um, uh, on the on the Twitter feed uh, when I'm t- you know describing what I see in the game and you can't see so if you're on the Twitter feed uh, you're welcome to join us Twitch TV slash SignumU uh, and you'll be able to follow along with us here um, but uh, so I'm going to sign off to Twitter thanks everybody for joining us and I will see you guys in two weeks all right um, okay all right my twitch and Lotro friends let us go on our field trip so today um we're not gonna go back to the old forest because I, we, didn't get very far. we didn't get we didn't we didn't even get to old man willow I knew we were gonna get past old man willow but we didn't even get to old man willow um we are of course gonna do another old forest um, uh field trip but my plan was to do an old forest field trip with uh, uh, basically to get to see, go see Old Man Willow, see the Bald Hill, Old Man Willow, uh, Tom Bombadil's house, and, and maybe even Goldberry Spring. I think we can pretty much do that in one field trip. Uh, and that's that's not going to be for several more sessions yet. So that means, in the meantime... Let us head back and um, continue our exploration. The other thing that I'm, that I'm kind of wanting to do, just as I've decided to do my completionist reading of The Lord of the Rings here you know, uh, in the course of the class, uh, I'm also interested in doing something like a completionist exploration uh, of the Lotro world in thinking about the adaptation that they're doing and in in, in how they're building the story um, and building off of the story that Tolkien wrote. Um, in their sort of design of the world and of its uh, and of its its places. So, because remember, this class is going to take it we just five years or so. So we've got lots of field trips that we can do. So we have been almost everywhere in the Shire now, uh, and we've been exploring. Uh, we went north from there to Evendim and have been exploring Evendim. So I want to go back to Evendim. Because we got as far as a numinous, but we didn't enter the gates. Um, so I want to enter the gates of a numinous. But this means that uh, some of you may be in danger. Some of you may not, but there are a couple of you that are likely to be in danger if you, uh, when you come with us here to, uh, to a numinous. I see at least one level 12 and a level 27. A, we, we have a level 5. A level 16. <laughs> a level 5. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, a Numinous is rather a dangerous place. Uh, that's okay. Uh, oh, at level fifteen, yeah. Oh no, this is going to be great fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's okay. I, I, I see. There. Uh, oh man, we got a lot of low level people here today. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. But that's good. It'll be. It'll be fun. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be a good experience. Um, stay with the pack. Okay, stay, with the, stay, stay with the stay with pack. the family. Yeah, stay with the family. Anubis yeah. is uh, not a place to wander off on your own. Well, you can, but it will be a very brief trip. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very brief. Wander. You wake up back in the shire or someplace like that. Probably, or out in Brie or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> Tony says it's going to be a massacre. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's do what we can do. So let's meet up. Well, hang on. A lot of you are so low level that... Trish, we should yeah. ride overland from somewhere, shouldn't we?
0: We should. Um, we could do it from Oat Barton. That'd be a long ride, but we could do it from there.
1: Yeah. Can people get to Oat Barton? Can I get well, we'd have Barton. to go to
0: Brock and Boring's and ride from there. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I mean, that's a safe route for Lobies, you know. Yeah. I um, can't really think of another way to do it uh, because, you know, you could take a horse to Tinnadir and and, and, get, and then take the boat or ride,
1: but got to be, you know, it's like a level 30-ish thing. Exactly, so. yeah. Yeah, low-level people won't have been to Tinnadir to... to Right. Open the stable, right. master. There. Well, okay.
0: Unfor- unfortunately, Brock and Boring's isn't easy either because it's a slow horse. You know, I mean, it's true. Not terrific, but um, true. It's the only way I can think to do it. Uh, do, do we? Do we have any captains in the group? There's no any captains. Jump up and down if you're captain. Uh, a captain with a with this rally horn, with a you know summoning horn. I don't think so. Okay. Well, yeah. one of the things is in, Ro- in Oat Barton, you know what? In Oat Barton, we do have a mustering horn. So uh-huh. that would be, a, we, could, we could create a raid. Right. And then um, I might have, I could probably get myself there pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and then I could use the rally horn to rally people there. So that
1: probably, yeah.
0: and then we can ride from Oat Barton, which at least is not as bad.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, I have a milestone at Hiking's Crossing, and I think I can get a horse from there to Park to so I can get that yes. quick.
1: Yes, yes, you should be able to. Okay. okay. Yeah, why don't you do that? Um, All
0: right. Do you want to go—why don't I go ahead and do that, and you go ahead and—you want to
1: form the raid? Sure. Will I, will I take off? Okay. Sure, I will form the raid. Okey-dokey. Okay, I'm just going to start inviting folks. When I have successfully. I think
0: somebody said they don't have a horse. If you don't have a horse, we that's a that's a problem.
1: That's a you much. May have to just... yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, have to watch us on Twitch.
1: <laughs> that's true. If you don't have a horse, it's going to be hard for, to, for us to get you there in time. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna invite people. When I have invited you and you are in the group, then come and stand up. Uh. uh actually, yeah, come stand behind me. Okay, so let's see. Yes, and if you are not in the room, go ahead and send me a a tell, and I'll invite you from there. Okay. All right, there's Amathorn. I assume the same one who's been in class here today. All right. Nope. Should have to convert it to a raid soon. Okay, hang on. Let's see. Fellowship. Convert to raid. Okay. Okay. All right. This is gonna be funnier than I expected.
0: Don't forget to invite me, by the way. Oh <laughs> right. And I also have Violet with me. If she has not sent you a note yet, she she would like to be invited. So hopefully we have room for twenty four people.
1: Okay. There we go. And And Trish, you're on you're on Maven? Right?
0: Yeah, M-A-E-V-E-N-N.
1: That's what I thought. Okay. Alright, so far so good. Yeah, so there is a limit uh, on the the size of the raid. uh, Which is 24, but we should be okay. Okay. So again, when you've when you've joined, come up on come up behind me, so that I can more easily invite people who are here. Hopefully, I mean, I see we have a few level caps with us, so a small number of level caps ought to be able to protect a large number of people. <laughs> we have seven. there's another level six. Oh dear. It's all good. Okay. Okay. And I think I got everybody. Did I get everybody?
0: Is Pineleaf, did you, is Pineleaf's Pine on with us? I don't know if you wanted to be invited or not.
1: Did I get Pineleaf?
0: Um, I, I thought I had him a, on the list. I
1: thought I had everybody in the room. No?
0: Maybe he, maybe he departed.
1: Okay. Perhaps so. Okay. All right. I'm going to accept the summons.
0: I don't know if we've, have we gotten everybody? I'm not sure. I think I've
1: got, oh, hang on a second. Let me unsummon myself here. Hang on. Has <laughs> just got another person here who needs inviting? Okay. There we go.
0: You want to, why don't you go ahead and bite Pineleaf, uh, even though he's not in the room. Okay. he's asking. Okay. He's trying to find us.
1: Great. No problem. Okay, and we still have room for four more.
0: Oh, no problem.
1: So we're good. All right, I think I got everybody. All right, summon me again. All right. Okay. You know, Tony says it seems this level problem will get worse as we go along further into the game oh, world. Yeah. Uh, yep, absolutely, it sure will. Um, but that's Okay protecting very low-level people in very dangerous places is kind of entertaining so
0: the only problem being when they die they can't they will res way back where their level is so it's a it's kind of a it could end up being a short trip <laughs> <laughs> there is
1: always, there is always that chance but uh, it is it is the chance that you run
0: we could you know um, one thought I had, and if anybody's interested in this, they can let me know on the forum at uh, lotro.mystara.org. There's a there's a class forum there. If we wanted to do any kind of power leveling sessions on the various servers, people that are low level, um, I'd be happy to arrange something where some of us that are higher level can help you, you know, get yourself leveled up. If you don't, if you just want to go fast, uh, let me know. And if, if there's enough interest, we'll put something together.
1: Yep, we can help with this.
0: We can help. We are Mithgard. That's, right.
1: That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Okay. So, so um, uh,
0: let me just let me just say if, if there's anybody who has not made it to uh, to yet, send me a tell m a e v e n n. Send me a message, right? And I'll make sure I muster you here. Also, we have Ashlinga over here, who is apparently not part of the raid. Oh yeah. Over yeah. So you might want. I
1: assume they want to be invited. <laughs> I see. Got it. Okay. I just got a note from somebody. Let me get that here. Okay. All right.
0: Jaffric,
1: J-A-F-F-R-I-C, is oh. asking for an invite. Okay, I see him. He just came walking up just a minute ago, and I didn't know if he was joining or if he was an innocent bystander <laughs> wondering, by. wondering who all these people were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: few
1: people I see uh, uh, several of our uh, uh, Twitch regulars like Druid's Fire and St. Joan sound like they are preparing uh, the popcorn to uh, watch the massacre that's about to occur
0: Uh, uh, by the way for the low level folks Violet who's a wonderful uh, person has offered to go to the party tree and meet you at the party tree and ride you up to where we are. So if you want to do that...
1: Oh, can, can um, they not get mustered here?
0: Some of the lower levels can't. No, I can't muster the, the lowest level folks. Okay. So she's offered to meet them. Uh, um, uh, uh, she's offered to meet them there. So my suggestion, if you want to do that, is send Violet, V-I-O-L-E-T-H, B-I-O-L-E-T-H, Violet with an H at the end, uh, a towel, and if she has folks that want to do that, then
1: she'll meet you at the party tree. Okay. Okay. Cool. Very nice. Thank you. That is very kind. So you can get yourself to Hobbiton in the party tree, then you can uh, you can find out I mean, and you'll catch up with us, because once we get to a Numinous, we're not going to move very fast. So. Okay, cool. So are we ready to head off then? We are. Okay, and let us head off. They won't
0: know
1: what hit them. Nope, exactly. Yeah, all those. Uh, oh, hang on, I gotta introduce myself to the stable master here.
0: It's a good day. Pretty soon, si- like, oh my god, oh my god, all
1: these people. Pretty soon, I'm gonna be. I, I I I'm gonna have all of these. Uh, Stable masters all the way up here through uh, uh, through even dim opened up on every server. So,
0: <laughs> that hobbit's gonna have a story to tell in the tonight.
1: Yeah. Okay. so uh, <clears throat> remembering that we have very low levels our higher levels should uh, be on the lookout for because some of the, the these spiders are gonna come attacking some of our party here I believe Let's see which way should we go down by the down by the water um, which do you think is the safest path
0: that's a good question. I would say stick
1: which fork, though, is what I'm wondering. Oh, which fork? I think the left fork. Okay. Yeah, let's go by dwelling, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just got the roving threat quest. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so for those of you who don't play the game, roving threats are these enormous, huge, ridiculously powerful enemies wandering around particular regions. And, uh they are uh, I mean like the the animals in this area are going to kill half of our w- would kill half of our party in fair combat um, like not the squirrels but the deer would do for them uh, so yeah roving threat would be a little bit uh, o- overkill Druid's Fire, yeah, Druid's Fire is pointing out this is kind of like taking the Hobbit to Isengard. Uh, yeah, see Druids Fire it's gonna be like that, except like a fresh adventure every week. Right? That's gonna be the fun of this. Because my thought, by the way, is after we do Even Dim, I was I was kind of thinking we could uh, we could go on and do uh, um go uh, I to sort of continue on up to Fork Hell. That is, unless we actually make a debris first, in which case, you know, we could totally uh, continue on into Breeland and then up into the North Downs and stuff as well, so but we'll see how long it actually takes us to get to Breelands. We're gonna we're gonna need to do of course the Barrow Downs as well. You know, we'll have a couple Barrow Downs field trips, um, which will be a sufficient adventure, but that's of course only like level twenty ish, so Right. That'll be a little easier
0: for folks to get into.
1: Yeah. That won't be so bad. I see the Breakers coming after folks.
0: We will, you know, as we get further along, you know, y'all need to get yourselves leveled up. To get to, uh, to do Rivendell area, it's, uh, like I, level, what is that, 30 or 40, 30, 35, 40,
1: right. probably right through the middle of the sand mounds was probably not the best yeah, was, possible path was, I could have <laughs> chosen. My apologies. <laughs> this is me not paying attention. I was, yeah, my, my mind yeah, had eventually. wandered over to the, uh, you know, to the ruins across the way again and I I apologize <laughs> for that. I don't think we lost anyone though, so that's merciful. But we're probably kiting half of the breakers and Even Dim right now. Okay. Tony Mead asks Is there any textual justification for roving threats? No. No, no. <laughs> no, not so much. Uh
0: it's called keeping the level cap players uh, you know interested.
1: Yes, just putting in new challenges for the for the for the higher level players. Or you know,
0: Mordor's coming out soon, so
1: they'll be they'll be off doing that. Yes. When is the release on that? Is it the, is that this week or next week?
0: It's supposed to be Monday. It's
1: Monday. Excellent.
0: I've gone in. I've done some stuff there. I think you know when you finally get there in another five years, you know, it'll track with. It's
1: course. not going to take me really five years. But no, I, I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm a excited.
0: Lot, you know, it's a lot about what
1: happens after the ring is destroyed. You know, well, and when the is the? And all that stuff. I'm ready to schedule the chicken run. I got to tell you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Good. Like, I know Hologro's been looking at... Do I get to... Th- 30 so 30 so I think what we're going to carry on along the... the, 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 the we're not going to... Don't yeah, go north. Yeah, not going up there. Don't go, yeah, don't, there. go don't go up there. Hang on. We're losing half our people. Stop. Well, they well, they may need to. Op- they might need to open up the nose. Oh, actually, okay. That's prudent. Let's head up In to effect,
0: the... I need to go do that. Yeah,
1: yeah fine. Okay, that's 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 a good idea. Hey, look, I have this one open.
0: How about that? I do, too. How did I do that? Lovely. Um, so, yes, we definitely do, too. So, so for those of you who we've been discussing... Since since Corey loved running as a chicken all the way to Tirith, oh, yeah. we now run want to run him into Mordor and actually to Mount Doom.
1: Oh yeah, no, um, my goal is to throw to throw myself into the cracks of Doom. Obviously, yeah, Yeah. I clearly. Think,
0: I think one of the things is we're going to need to get folks high enough level that they can they can you know protect you because into Mount Doom is into like
1: level one fifteen, right?
0: Well, I, no, I think we could probably do it at like level one hundred seven, one hundred eight. Right. Although it wouldn't be bad to have some 115s. Yeah. It.
1: So yeah. Yeah. Well, and That's I know. To
0: wait
1: yeah. For folks to get up. Yeah. And uh, druids fire. I know that they have to patch it. I, I know. I'm just saying. As soon as it's ready, I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I'm. Well, I, yeah. I'm not going to wait till I finish the uh, the just like I didn't wait till I got there in the right. uh, in the in the in the epic line to go to Minas Tirith. Um, I'm going to avail myself of the opportunity to go as a chicken. So, Whoa. Are we so, okay?
0: Yeah. So, if somebody just fell off their
1: horse. Sure Any fatalities? We got a um, we got a worm a, following us here. We got a crawler got a, got a chasing after around somebody. Around okay, I think it's time to um, dismount so yeah, here. So
0: yeah. So the time it takes a group of people to get to 115 will give us plenty of time to open up more doors.
1: Okay, let's see. I'm going to. Uh, because everybody's in combat. Let's see. I'm going to see. Hang on, let's see. Where's my... Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't done this in a... Let's see. I'm setting my... I'm setting Signum U to aggressive mode. Ah, okay. Yeah, There we go. Just have him attack anybody he sees. That will help.
0: Crawlers are not bad. Don't worry about those guys. The flies are just annoying.
1: Hey, look at that. Signum, you just swooped down and killed that crawler. That was good. Okay. So, we have reached the outskirts of a now, and as you guys can remember, uh, this is, though it's now daytime instead of night, which is nice, a nice change, um, we, uh, these are the tombs, of course, that we were looking at before. So we have these lines of tombs skirting either side of the road on the main approach to the to the, to the primary gate of a numinous, uh, which is thematic, right? Uh, so you see, as you can see, this is the main land approach to a numinous. Um, and we had talked about the significance of the tombs and how it was interesting in the way that this seems to suggest that uh, the sort of decay of Numenorean society was both like not forgotten in uh... Good Eagle, Good Eagle. Um, that, that it was not forgotten here in the Numinous and that it followed a similar path to uh, uh, the, the decay in Gondor. Um, now we are just about to get to the gate again. Okay. Yeah, uh, Druids Fire just mentioned, and I wanted to do a plug for this anyway. Druids Fire. So, uh, on uh, it's going to be—is that going to be on Landreval, Druids Fire. Um, they're doing the—they're doing their annual uh, taking the Hobbits to Isengard run. Um, they're going to be uh, uh, so bringing a level ten Hobbit. Um, all the way down to Isengard from the Shire. And Druid's Fire is going to be streaming it uh, on her channel at noon uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, that's that's going to be great fun. I wish I could join, actually, but I'm going to be driving all day on Saturday, so I won't be able to, but uh, that would be a lot of fun. And the Hobbit, the level 10 Hobbit who's going to be going, uh, is actually Sapiens, who used to be the, uh, the 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 community director at Lotro. So some of you may remember Sapiens from the old days. Um uh, so anyway, yeah, so on Landreval starting at noon uh, server time. Uh, they're going to be doing the... It's That's an annual thing, right? Druids fire, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard? Okay. Anyway, all right. So here we are at the gate, and we can see this nice of these arches, right? Again, clearly no military value to these arches, right? Um, now, one thing to keep in mind is that the story says, and remember, stay together, children. Stay together. Um, uh, the, um, the, 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 the in-game story mentions that the level of the, of the lake has risen, right? So this is not the original level of the lake. So all of these tombs were not built, like, out in the middle of the water. That's a new thing. Um, but, nevertheless, this was obviously made right down by the water, and here is the main gate. Now, the couple things that we will notice here uh, first, we will notice people running up to try to kill us, but that's going to be something we'll notice very frequently uh, throughout this. Um, we have these two statues on either side, kind of generic Numenorean warriors, it looks like. I don't see any particular markings. That makes them recognizable. They're just carrying swords and wearing helmets. They're not bearing shields or crowns or, you know, broken swords or anything like that. Uh, So there's no reason to think that they're anything particularly... um, that they're anybody particularly special. Um, the, The gate really interests me especially the the openness of the gate up above it's possible of course that there used to be something in there maybe glass i don't know but uh you know so maybe that it wasn't originally designed to be just open space in there but i i don't know i think um um i think that it's it may well have just been designed to be open arches there uh, up above which again reinforces an idea that I think is fairly clear from the entire layout of the city and from the way that we approached in. Noticeably, this is not a fortress. Anuminous is not a military stronghold. It may have warrior statues flanking the gates here, um, and the gates don't look like they were puny, right, themselves, but there was no... Um, and you know this path would have been defensible if you had an army, um, but this is not a fortress. It's clearly not a fortress. This is a this is a, a, a lakeside city. Um, yeah. Oh, didn't I invite? Sorry, didn't I invite flight before? Um, he he or she said. Oh me up. Oh, okay. They were going to go to bed. They were going to log on oh, to go to bed. But on but second thought, mind. they decided to stay. Okay. And I'll
0: let Violet know. Um, yes. So I'll let her know that
1: she's back again. Okay. Very good. Ah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've lost anybody yet. Have we lost anybody yet?
0: I think I think we're good so far.
1: Okay. Strong work, high-level people. And those of us with... every, All of you with useful non cosmetic pets. Do make sure you set your pets on aggressive so that they lay into things as soon as they see them. That will be helpful. But anyway, as we can see from the the, the these less permanent things, right? These big tents and pavilions, not to mention these banners along the side, right? These banners are Anglerim banners. This is uh, the, the sort of the iron crown motif that we get up in Angmar. Um, uh, and yeah, so, so uh, Brandon, these are not robbers' tents, exactly. This, You know, we saw lots of uh, tomb robbers and stuff, right, uh, uh, earlier when we were looking in Evendim. But this is not just a tomb robber situation, actually. That's a really nice view of the close-up of the banner there. Um, these are Angmarim soldiers and sorcerers and things. So these are minions of the Witch King who have come down here to... Uh, uh, to occupy a Numinous. Um, this is part of an actual offensive here against a Numinous. Uh, and, you know, they have their own reasons. It's related to the whole long plot of volume one, which I won't get into or spoil the details of. Um but uh, you know, but there's this continuous war going on between the Dunedain, who are determined to hold the ruins of Enuminous, uh, and the Angmarim, who are uh, invading it. Um, you know, I didn't notice this before. Doesn't this look like an Easterling pavilion? With the blue and the... these little, like, half-moon sort of... These half circle symbols up there. Don't those look kind of like the blue sorcerers?
0: It does actually. Probably from
1: the same manufacturer. Um from the same manufacturer, yeah. Probably. Yeah. They just all shop oh. in this shop from oh, the yeah. same outlets, I guess. Evil dudes are us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just looking around. So, the giant castle on the hill. That one, Brandon? Um, that is the throne room of Elendil, right? And if you see on the map here, uh, the way this is set up, it's pretty cool. So this is the part you can see up here where the city was drowned, right? Where the waters rose up above uh, and have covered over many of the buildings. Um. So this didn't necessarily used to be an island, but it was clearly a... Because, uh, I mean, clearly these were docks, right? So you can see the, the line where the old shore would have been before the, the, the level of the, of the water rose. Um, however, this central, what is now clearly an island, uh, was always much higher and always dominated uh, the rest of the city. This is the seat of Alendil, right up there. Um, this sort of motif of, of these, uh, these domed buildings, the domes and the, 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 the towers with the four points on top of them. Um, yeah, yeah. See, now, Alru Iran, I certainly don't think that the same manufacturer made those pavilions as made the ceremonial awning remembrances in Dale. Uh, Uh, No, I think that's clearly, clearly a totally different matter, yeah. Whew, okay. Strong work. Strong work, everybody. As you can see, the land rises sharply to the south here. You can see the mountains behind and the buildings up on the hills... It's hard to get a sense just from wandering around the sort of natural flow of the city. Um, you know, that is to be able to guess at the, the purposes of the different buildings and things. Um, I love the look and feel of this, though. Um, they have... Uh, it has a kind, of, uh, a kind of Byzantium feel to it that seems to me very Right. Yeah, see if you can. If we look over here, you can see how the level of the lake has risen. So it's hard to hard to see exactly what the the shape of things. But again, this really just emphasizes how sharply the 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 city. This is a city very much on a hill. But again, it's not a city on a hill in the same sense that, um, like Minas Tirith is on a hill, right? The the relationship between Minas Tirith and its mountain, right, um, is designed for defense. Um, and you think about the, you know, the way you've got that, uh, uh, you know, that sort of the prow of the ship, right? Um, and the way that the road winds back and forth all the way across, all the way up the different levels of the city. It's designed to be defensible all the way up, so that any invading army that got through the gates would have to fight its way up gate by gate and bit by bit. And there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of choke points uh, at which to prevent an incoming army. Uh, Enuminus is not like that. The whole thing is open. Um, I mean there you know it's it's the paths can be a little bit circuitous um, but this is just a lovely city by the lake uh, sort of swooping down to the lake um, one wonders to what extent you know was there a, you know something like a uh, a, a kind of class oriented um you know division of like who li- like who lived high up and who lived lower down and that kind of thing you know makes me kind of wonder about that um you know was it, did enumnus become a uh, a place that was really uh divided uh into different classes and families one would think perhaps that it was if you think of course about the way that the civil wars broke out not too long after the city was begun right um, and now that that was based on sort of family disputes, but still this sense of uh, this 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 sense of division among it, right? I mean, is one of the things that's most famous about Arnor from the beginning. Um, we can go down and swim in the. Other, I kind of want to go uphill instead of down, but. There you go, guys. Good job there.
0: Alright. Oh, we defeated a boss.
1: <laughs> yeah, look at that. Hey, oh, isn't this one of the places that we can claim for the Dunedine?
0: I was thinking, I was looking to see if the rangers were going to show up. I haven't seen them, because usually when you... Oh, that's a, that, that's you, up here, isn't it? Ta- they they come in, yeah. There's a couple of places where if you kill the bad guys, then the Rangers come in and take it over. Yeah,
1: there are three critical points that they're okay. And this is, cool. as you can see, you've got the uh, you've got the the Numenorean banners here, which shows that the Dúnedain are in control. Right. And if uh, if you look at this right, you can see the Numenorean star in the center. Right. You got the seven stars with the big Numenorean star in the center, shining down on these stylized waves here. Right. Um, Now, do you think that's designed to be the? S- is that an Evendim banner, like for the Dúnedain of Evendim, or is this a Numenor banner, or a post-Numenor banner? Do we have the 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 star shining down to show the land of Gift, but we don't have the land of Gift anymore? You know, is this is this like the waves where under Numenor now lies, right? And we remember it. So is this is this in that way an Arnorian? you know post exile banner um or is this a more local banner i wonder um yeah 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 now aurorian asks a really good question um when did the numenorians build these cities the construction of Amansul happened before the last alliance marched down to mordor um well, this is the city of Elendil. We know this. We know that Elendil at least began this city, um, and certainly things happen much more slowly than we might like. The Battle of the Last Alliance was was years after Elendil landed. Um, so he 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 began this. Yeah, exactly. As Tony points out, there was over a hundred years between the fall of Numenor and the the arising of Sauron in Mordor. Remember that. Um, um, remember that. Uh Minas Ithil for instance was built on the shoulders of the mountains of shadow on purpose uh to um to defy Sauron um before the war had begun um so yeah uh, this 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 city was was built by Elendil um and that's why its lack of military fortifications its lack I mean you notice we haven't seen any uh like you know, crenellations. We haven't even seen any gates. We've seen arches, but no gates. It's possible they've just been torn down and lost, perhaps. Um, but this does not look like a very difficult city to get around in, you know? Um, it, uh, yeah. Um, where are the, are these the Dunedine Garden? Yes, these are. All right, here they are. Is the Dunedain who are here? Yes, Marshal Tudong, Warden of Enuminous, uh, is here getting ready. Whoa, does he have his? Oh, he's got his mace there, his mace and his dagger. Strong work there. Is this a? <laughs> is this a beacon? Is this? Do they like this when they're under attack or something? That's a good question.
0: Looks like it is. It's it's rather, not a campfire.
1: It's rather a poorly placed beacon, though nobody could see it. <laughs> Maybe it lets off a lot of smoke or something. I don't know. But these banners change, don't they, when the... the, I think so. When the Angmarim are holding this spot. Eventually, they're going to come and attack here. Again, they do this periodically. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tony, exactly. When Elendil built this, he thought that Sauron was gone for good and there was no need for war. Absolutely. They had escaped Numenor. They were mourning the fall of Numenor. Um, but, uh but they believed that they had that Sauron at least had been destroyed that that was the one consolation right like okay Numenor is drowned and that's really sad that's really too bad but um you know <clears throat> it is at least the silver lining of the whole fall of downfall of Numenor business right and so now we can try to establish a new life here in Middle-earth um, where at least we don't have Sauron breathing down our necks um and so, yes, that was the spirit in which uh, in which Anuminus was built, uh, and it really shows, as we will see later on, Fornost is the military capital. Fornost is a fortress, uh, very clearly a fortress um, and that of course, is where the capital of Arnor shifts to. Uh, Anuminus was the original capital city of Arnor, but the the political center of Arnor shifts from Anuminus to Fornost during the civil wars, um, and it's the fall of Fornost that signals the downfall of the North Kingdom. That's when Arnor ceases to be a kingdom, um, you know, when Arthodyne falls, and the descendants of Isildur cease to be kings and are simply the Dúnedain, the chieftains of the Dúnedain in the wild, um, because Fornost is the last stronghold of the North Kingdom. Anuminus has already kind of become a footnote, essentially, um, because it's not a defensible spot. Um, it's not the military center, um, and we don't really know exactly um, where. Uh, um, we 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 don't really know exactly what was going on with Numinus during the later days of uh, of Arnor. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's uh, let's keep going. Where does the road go from here? Oh, we, we it turns oh right up there, of course. Yeah, let's keep going. Let's go let's go up. Okay, got another one of those banners. It's tattered at the bottom, which suggests it's not new, but of course it could just suggest that it's been in battle. I like the recent scorch mark and some uh, smoke still rising. Ah, I see some of our high-level friends have already been through here. (laughs) Lots of recent corpses. (laughs) And it's suspiciously quiet. That's good. That's good. But yes, lots of just Okay, oh, oh here's a here's a here's here's a friendly chap. Okay. There we go, yeah, so we got the got the trolls in here. But just just sort of imagine this city, you know, still in the old days, right? Imagine the city non ruinous. Look at these big open pavilions and these wide streets. And then we go through this arch with no evidence that a gate was ever in it. It's just an arch in a door, so this is not designed for defense. There's no mark of a portcullis or sign of a gate on either side of that. Nope, somebody's just given up his life for the glory of Angmar, apparently. And then here you have this big open pavilion with uh, what was probably a pedestal of some kind here in the middle, right? Possibly for a statue, or maybe this was a fountain or something, right? But it's clearly uh, a little, uh, you know, little piazza at the foot of this large building with the tower right up here. Aha! And up here in this, since you, since I see you guys are up here clearing this out anyway, let's head up here because we can see. Look at this! Yeah, nice. uh, Nice little water feature, right? Little pool. And in the middle of the pool, they've put their little Numenorean symbol, right? With the, the nice uh, gilt ship with the mast and the sails. I love how the, the sails look like a spearhead going up, right? Um... But that the mast of the ship is the the beam of the, of light coming down from the from the star. I think that's great. I I really I really love this symbol. Um. Yeah. Good. And to have that sitting here in the middle of this water feature is kind of fun, right? Always remembering Numenor and uh, the you know the the. The prowess of Numenor at sea, the pride of Numenor and its ships. and now, of course, there are like huge trolls hanging out around here, but and I forget what this building was. I mean, I remember that we go into it several times during the epic quest line. Does anyone recall the function of this building and what it was? I don't remember. Gravity is cynically saying he was expecting the roving threat to show up here, but uh, we're not that fortunate we're hoping I think that
0: it would show up. I yeah, guess.
1: exactly. Our high level people are doing a really good job. The mortality among our party has been much less than I feared. Okay. Let's carry on through. As I recall, we're not far from We're not far from the camp. Yeah, actually. from the camp of the oh, Dunedine, right? We got a guy behind us. There's a guy following us. Oh now he's dead. <laughs> okay. Oh.
0: Yeah, the camp I think is up this way. See we've got we've got Dunedin up here, Dunodyne up here.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah, so this is the <clears throat> The place where the Dunedine are squatting here, the camp that they've established here in the ruins. I think it's fascinating that they're pitching tents. I mean, these many of these buildings have roofs, right? They could... Oh,
0: plus, how are, what are they Are they driving those things into the stone? The pegs? The tent pegs?
1: Uh, yes. I've yes. went up here a
0: million times never even thought
1: about that. Yep, there it is. Tent peg driven straight into the middle of the stone. Well, ooh, stable master, I almost forgot him. Greetings. Okay, same banner here as before. It's clear that that ship symbol is the is the old symbol, right? We see that all over the place, not only in you know in in sort of statues through the city, but in. Uh, um. In uh, around Elendil's throne room as well as I recall. Um. Yeah. Good. Um. Okay. Let's see. Does anybody know for sure? Sh- I, I I sometimes miss this road, so I don't want. I don't trust my own. I, I I don't wanna be like Mary acting like I know the way when I don't. Um, does anybody remember the way onto the island? What's it called again? Tilanoon. noon. Um, the way up to the bridge. I I think I could get there, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Pine leaf, can you take us? All right, let's follow Pine Leaf. Okay. Let's go this way. Now we go up the hill and then around, but I sometimes end up going the wrong way. And the last thing I want to do is lead a whole bunch of Lobies into a dangerous dead end up here. Because so I would love to end until noon, and it's getting late. Okay, we got some Angmarim soldiers up there. Oh, I love this plaza up here anyway. Here we get an actual pool, with several of those same... Look at all these... uh, these... ship statues up here. Love these. Okay, let's head over this way, right between these two ship statues. Okay. See now, this is an inlet. Can you swim all the way down to the lake from here?
0: Yeah, you can. Uh, if you want, well, I'm not. Yeah, I think you can. If you take off from the piers, I don't know if you can do it from the inner part.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is another one of the up here is another one of the uh, spots, right? Yeah, oh, it's already taken. Okay, all right. Sorry, Pineleaf. I've I've. Are we are we still supposed to be going this way, Pine? All right, Pineleaf, I'll, I'll keep following you. All right, are going this way. Right. Yeah, I think this is the place where I I so often go yawn when I'm supposed to go hither. Ah, there we go. We have reclaimed this for the Dunedine, right?
0: Yeah, see, here come the rangers. Here
1: they they're come, yes. So, All right, They're going to come here and defend this place that we just took. There we go. i being very casual about it.
0: Well, you cheered. That's cool. Oh,
1: there we go. There, thanks, guys. <laughs> That's good. Glad you appreciate it.
0: Okay, we're finally going. This way? There he is.
1: Here he is, over here. Over here, okay. All right, yeah, this way. All right. Aha, right. Of course. And there it is. Great. Okay. This is a, a great vista. By the way, if you notice on the Twitch stream, did you see how my... uh? My screen just went dim there. That was because uh, I got some dread. I was talking about dread last week. I just got some dread there and uh, made my whole screen go, go dim. Okay, so here we can see... This tower is really fascinating. The top of it is like the other towers, but of course it's very much... This is clearly the tallest point in the city. This pyramid is interesting, too. Is that a whole intact pyramid, like it was meant to be a pyramid? It's not just a remnant of something else? Now these... Uh, this iron fence is obviously not original. Yep, no, that's clearly meant to be... Oh, right, it's the peak of a, of a house down there. right? And you'll notice, of course, the f- flagstones... Trees and stars, just like the flagstones we were seeing in the Grifflet stream down in Enidwyth. Ooh. So this is more... Corrupted. We got this one is more chipped away. Oh, and it's got those nasty magic fires... Just like we see in place these are those are Kudo Yangmarim as well. Hey look, gates. Actual gates. And with the wavy lines suggesting the sea, though I take these to be the actual original gates. Not like nasty This can't be original. This fencing over here. I mean that looks way too orcish. Just just can't possibly be original. And it's even... Yeah, it looks like the banner stand here that's holding the Angmarim banners is made of the same stuff. Yeah, no, that, that just can't be original. I refuse to believe that. Um, but the gate seems to be the original gate, and it's a lovely gate, but also you'll notice not the sturdiest gate you've ever seen in the world. Like, you can see through it. In fact, if you were skinny enough, you could probably crawl through it. Right, this is not, again, this is not a defensive fortification, even though this would be a defensible position up here, right? You could easily make this little island, you know, a nice little fortress here, but it's clearly not designed that way. Now here we go through another arch, which I guess is chipped and broken, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like from over there it is. I got distracted by the gates, but the reason I turned around originally was to look at the arch from this side. Yeah, interesting that we can't see any of the working on those arches. Oh, Ethelod, thank you. That building that we were at was a prison. Was it? I know somebody was imprisoned inside there. Was it designed to be a prison originally in a Numinous? Maybe it was. Okay, yeah, see, again, I don't believe that this fence is any more original than these hanging cages, right? Clearly new furniture, right? And there's another one of those open arches, right? Yeah, I know I'm convinced that that was the original plan. Look at that. So was this green stuff all copper, originally? That would have been shiny. Just think how shiny that thing must have been. Oh, wait, and this is one of the instances, isn't it? This is Austin yeah. This is the way to get into the throne room? Yeah. Yeah. I'm tempted to do it just to be able to get to the throne room at the end. <laughs> I mean, we can't do it, it, it here. It is pretty cool. But yeah. But looking around the throne room, totally worth it. OK, and so here we have some nasty bonfires slash. Oop, oop, oop. Oh, hi. Oh, awesome, hi briefly. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Okay. Um, great. Okay. So here we look out over the lake
0: <clears throat>
1: and... Looking out over the lake seems pretty clearly what this was designed to do in the first place, right? I mean, that's why I would suspect that this, the, you know, the, the throne room of the king was built out on this high point. Again, remember, it wouldn't have been an island back in the old days, um, but on this high point here with the big old bridge leading to it, um, is not to be in a defensible position, but to have the best view. Right, and to look out over the lake because Annuminus ultimately is a lake house, right? Um, and of course, interestingly, what are we looking at? deer, right? Which is Elendil's house, <laughs> right? That's his private house over there. Uh, that's the private house of the king, uh, which is kind of funny. In fact, um, not necessarily Elendil, but of the family of the king. I wonder, do you think that's meant to suggest some kind of uh, moral corruption, right That when you look out the first the the thing that dominates your view is your summer home, right? And your colossal statue over there. You see there's the statue that we were looking at from up close before. And I got to think now, looking at this thing, remember from a distance we were trying to find what was on top of this little uh, second little pedestal here and trying to see, because it's broken off at the top. Um, And uh, it really does just look like it was probably another star, probably. But I wish you could see exactly what it was. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, like I said, I, I kind of wonder if we can see, and it would be interesting to, to know what the game was postulating as the dates of these things being built. Because again, what I what I love to do is to look at the story, right? It's, you know, one of the things that they have the opportunity to do in Lotro is not only fill in the land, right, it's not only to fill in the um, you know, like Lake Evendim is on the map. Um, you know the the, the the middle Earth map, um, and we know that the city of Anuminus was there, but that's kind of pretty much all we know about it, right? Um, so they fill in the land, but it's not just the land. they fill in the whole backstory. By populating this region, by making the ruins where they are and the cities where they are, and making backstories for it, they are filling in gaps in the entire story of the history of Arnor, which is really fun. Um yeah, exactly Gravity. I do think the statue must have been built after Elendil passed. I don't think that uh I don't think that Elendil, while he was alive, was like what do we need <clears throat> you know, is a gigantic statue of me. Like that Elendil doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Um but um Oh, that's interesting, Amathorn. I hadn't thought of that. Could these other pedestals be sort of suggestive of his two sons, Isildur and Anarian? Uh, possibly. Obviously not a representation, but um, um, but uh, sort of a symbolic suggestion of, of them or something, quite possibly. <clears throat> uh, maybe Amathorn, they ran out of funding, right? They were going to make uh, Isildur and Anarion behind him, but then they were like, well, let's just slap a star on the top of that because we can't afford the whole statue. <clears throat> just a theory. Um, but yeah, again, We have the outline of the story of Arnor, right? So what is the story that they're telling it? Are we seeing evidence of the progressive decay of Arnorian society, right? Was this summer home over here, you know, was the house at Tinedir that we can see across the water, was that built by the royal family a couple generations in, right? Um, And, you know, again, another sign that they were already losing touch. Um you know that they were becoming sort of fixed on themselves and oblivious uh to the world around them and thinking and and you know beginning to build big tombs and all those kinds of things um yeah i wonder i wonder I'm forgetting what that tower is over there oh that's on the that's the that's the worm island right the fireworm island. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, Tony Mead says they love too well the work of their own hands. It does begin to give you that impression, doesn't it? Yeah. One other thing I wanted to do, and and as I say, I should let you guys go. I wanted to look back on the city from here so we can see it sort of rising up. It's nice. Now listen be the best view here. Imagine when this was all shining white, right? It's clear that this stone was white. White and copper. What a gorgeous city under the sun this would have been. Sweeping up the side of the hills, up to the very... You know the ridges up above, and all the way down to the lake. Yeah, this was, uh, again, clearly, this city was a work of art, not a, uh, not a pragmatic thing at all. That's great. It's getting a little gloomy though. I think we're I think we're getting some rain clouds moving in now, just my luck. All right, yeah, Katrina. Uh, I agree. It would have been blinded. This would have been, yeah, in the sunlight would have been almost blinding. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and yes, Emma Thorne, When you when you come down when you come in from the hills, uh, and then you 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 see it down from the hills. It's a it's a gorgeous view from up there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I should let everybody go. Um, if you are a low-level character, uh, you can get back home pretty easily just by letting somebody kill you, and then you <laughs> <you'll>, You can... <laughs> you can uh, uh, retreat back to uh, safer territory. Um... Or you can try to go the old-fashioned way or use a milestone or something. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for joining us. Remember, no uh, no cost ne- next week. So we're, we, we won't be meeting next week, but we'll be back again the week after that, uh, where we might continue uh, our exploration of Even Dim. We might look at uh, some of the other things around the lake. Um, uh, we might head up uh, towards the north. Uh we might, I don't think we're going to get into the old forest again next time, but anyway, thanks a lot, everybody. Don't forget, uh, treason of Isengard tomorrow night. We're doing our second session on the treason of Isengard. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, same time, nine thirty PM Eastern time. Uh, and we'll be back here on Twitch as well as in go webinar. Uh, and I'll be broadcasting on Facebook live. So thanks everybody. And I will see you guys tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, two weeks from now, thanks very much, everybody. Bye.